on today's show, we're back to discuss the Angel Reese controversy, the new NBA CBA agreement, and the Dallas dumpster fire, and them missing the playoffs. So, welcome back. Lace them up and lock in. JWJ. back on your block listen up fellas listen up ladies it is the jwj podcast we've missed you guys so so much it's your boy james and i'm here with my dude my ace you already know what he's doing on the wing he's waiting for the game winner shane where you at man what up though we man get... it's been a minute ain't it listen way too freaking long man i feel wow. like we said that on the last episode huh i feel like i need to quit freaking saying that um but Technical difficulties happen, man. You know, hey, technology can only take you so far, and we hit some snafus. And of course, every every episode we let you know the number one reason that delays take place, life. But it's okay though because we're back, we're here, we're healthy, and we're ready to kill it, man. So Shane, we're gonna jump right into it, man. I got a few quick topics. I know we got something really big that we want to end on, and I'm gonna let you uh have your we'll call it fun a little later on, but. There's been a lot that's gone on in the league uh, since the last time we spoke, or at least since the last time they've heard us speak. But I want to start off with the number one, you know what I'm saying? If we're going to end with your squad, we're going to start with mine. And we got to shout out the dude, Mr. King James, on his major, major accomplishment back in February, passing the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. LeBron James is now the National Basketball Association's all-time leading scorer. Let's hear it. Long live the Kang. Long live the Kang. <laughs> Get him, man. Get him. Taking over, and the number is steady climbing because he is still on the move. Missed a little bit of time with, you know, with, with his foot injury, but, hey, He's back, and man, when you're knocking on 40, the fact that he made it back as quick as he did is pretty impressive, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, what, what else can you say about this dude, man? Like, what else can you say about, you know, the, the, the greatest of all time? I mean, we're talking about his scoring number, and, and he's, it's still climbing. I mean, by the time he decides to hang it up, we could be looking at – 40 41,000 points possibly easily easily <laughs> and i mean it took forever just to just for him to you know it took so many years for anybody to even threaten that and what close to 40 know, right and close I mean, to 40 years matter of fact when the record was set lebron had just been born or hadn't been born yet something like that right so i mean you know it's it's insane that that record that was one record that you know, when I really got into basketball and started pouring over stats and things like that, that was one mm -hmm. record. I was like, nobody's ever getting that. Like That's I cool. saw players that got 30 K, but uh, I was like, man, like nobody's ever going to top that. And and to see that actually get 
passed over in in my lifetime is pretty wild Mm -hmm. i'm 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 still just dumbfounded by that yeah it's and i mean it i i i agree to an extent i just the same the same way you were when i first got into hoops and really just looked at numbers and looked at how the game was changing and how it was being played honestly the scoring record being passed didn't really surprise me all that much because i knew that it was going to take you know just that combination of staying healthy longevity i felt like eventually we would see something like that but the one that the one that i always thought was going to be that record that's never going to be touched just because of player movement and everything that goes on is john stockton's a uh, dime record i i always looked at the assist record as that one where i'm like nobody's touching that because if you look at stockton's career what I think they said over the course of his career, he only missed like what 20, 30 games or something like that. Right. Like right. that, that to me is the one just because we can go back and listen to some of our older episodes about load management, guys. When you look at a guy that played every single night and he's averaging double digit assists every single season, that to me was the one that seemed like it was going to be the hardest to catch. Yeah, I still think that one. That that one may be like the last to fall because I mean, you have to play all the games, and and just speaking to the LeBron thing, like not only do you have to play play often and play for a long time, but you have to consistently produce. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's the key when you talk about any of these records, as far as like you know career records. I think, um, I here's here's a better question. Which one has a higher likelihood to fall? Stockton's assist record or Stockton's steal record? Because he has a sizable lead in both. Higher likelihood? I, As weird as it sounds, that's where I would say it would probably be the assist first. Only because we've gotten to a point in the league where, let's be real, the league doesn't want to see defense anymore. So I, I think that passing the steal record is going to be tougher because you 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 coming up the court, I come and I come and lock in, I go for the ball and I mess around and you know like breathe on you the wrong way and I might pick up foul number six in the first quarter. So your, your body wind exactly right. Um, on the flip side, <laughs> so it defensively that's tough but the one thing the reason that I say that the assist record to me is just as difficult in an offensive minded league at this point is still because that's really the one record remaining right now that totally depends on who's around you I I can't I can't average 12 assists a season if I don't have anybody around me that can shoot right so that that to me is the one I I still want to lean that way. Like it, it's really tough because I feel like you have your arguments either way. But I feel like the assist record is going to be really really tough because it's that one record that really depends on everybody else. I can kick the ball around the wing 15, 20 times a game, but if only two of my guys hit when I give it to them, then I'm stuck. So. I I still think that assist record is going to stand for a long, long time. Yeah, steals. I don't think anybody's touching steals. I think steals steals are kind of hard to get just because it's like okay, like 
you you have to play you have to play the passing lanes you gotta you know that that requires a lot of effort defensively i think steals are what save a lot of people in terms of their defensive reputation mm-hmm. um case in point uh two guys luca and steph and everybody bags on Steph. Oh, he's a liability on defense. But what you can point out, like, oh, well, you know, he's led the league in steals multiple times or whatever. There you go. Uh, Luca was, I think he was like top three in steals most of the year. I don't know where he is right now, but, you know, nobody's confusing him with, uh, you know, Gary Payton or anybody. So, um, yeah, I think, I think both records have a chance to, to stand like a really long time. That's, mm. um, I can't wait to see, like, eventually it will. I just want to see who actually gets up there. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be fun. I'm with you. It's it's definitely going to be something we'll wait around and pay attention to. Um, but while while we're talking LeBron, we're talking, you know, breaking the scoring record, I'll say one, one thing that I really appreciated about that night, about that game was – you know, when, when, when the, when the bucket was made, you know, it was that fade from the, from the left elbow. Um, Once the bucket was made, of course, you know, the, the game stopped, they had a whole ceremony planned. And the coolest thing about it, in my opinion, was the fact that it goes down and he's able to get that game ball handed to him directly from the man whose record he just broke. Um, He, he was able to, receive that game ball and share that moment with the legendary Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And as strange as it sounds, the reason that I feel like that was so important takes me right into the next thing that I want to point out is that we still had Kareem there to witness that moment in time. And the reason I say that's a big deal is because a little over a month later, at this point, just a few weeks ago, on March 21st, at the age of 80, we lost another legend of the game um, in Willis Reed. And I think, like I said, moments like that just put everything into perspective because we're, we're, we, we have to acknowledge the fact that we all know, I mean, father time is undefeated, man, but it doesn't make it any easier to see these things happen and to see, these players leave us because memories in reality can only do so much. It's like, granted, you know, neither one of us were alive to actually see his playing career, but it's, you, you just look at his accolades, you know, two-time champ, two-time finals MVP, uh, won a league MVP in 1970, seven-time all-star, and that's just scratching the surface. So, I want to say rest in peace to the great Willis Reed. Um, Shane, I'm sure you have enough, you know, plenty that you want to add to this, but I, that, you know, that, that just makes you appreciate moments like what we saw in February so much more because we have to appreciate these legends while they're still with us. Absolutely. And I mean, we, we, we lost Bill Russell. We did an episode Mm -hmm. on that. Um, You know, Wilt was still alive to, to, celebrate Kareem when Kareem broke his record at the time mm-hmm. um like you said I mean no these are moments that you know we we have to cherish because I mean we hear about the greats of the game all the time but you know it's it's almost like um it's like presidents you know you talk about presidents and how you know Jimmy Carter you know he's the oldest living president and 
you know, that kind of thing. And, right. and I mean, you know, Jimmy Carter's in hospice care right now, basically just awaiting, you know, his final days. So, um, and that's a sad thing in itself, but I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Kareem being there to do that is huge. Um, obviously with it being the Lakers, it would have been amazing to see Kobe in the front row. If Kobe could have been there to witness it. Don't, don't um, get me, don't get me there tonight. Yeah. I, I just, you know, that was just one of the first things I thought when I was thinking about that whole, that whole moment is that, you know, it was LeBron's moment. I'm glad that he got a chance to, it was one of the first times that, you know, saved from him winning a championship that we've seen LeBron just show some kind of like that emotion. And you realize just how much it means to him. Um, I thought that was, that was a huge moment. I'm glad Kareem was there. Um, we got some amazing meme stuff from it. Uh, I don't care the, the video of, Kareem the chase down. sitting there, the chase down block, the look on his face. Like when I tell you I was on the floor in tears, that is one of the greatest, uh, whoever cut that up and made that shout out to you. Cause that, that was hilarious. I was, I was dying. Yeah, it was. That, oh yeah. man. Like I, I about woke up my whole house same same like <laughs> i was i was dying so um no but it is a huge moment um like i said there's a lot of people that you know i would love to have known like if kobe were still alive like what he would have to say about that moment because i mean he was passed along the way too we know that he was you know congratulatory to lebron when lebron passed him on the list so matter of um, fact, that was the last that was Kobe's last tweet. Right. And and you know, I just it it's one of those one it's one of those kind of like somber like what if deals. But no, I mean Willis Reed, you know, his his legacy is intact. You know, he he's he's part of one of the few Nick teams that have won titles. Mm-hmm. You know, the last Nick team, I think, that won a title. So yeah, the last one. Um, you know, one of the greatest New York Knicks of all time. And, you know, his legacy is stamped. So, you know, losing losing legends like Russell, like Willis Reed, um, you know, the game the game hurts for them uh, and mourns them. But we know that, you know, it's it's going it's going to get all of us at some point. Um, it's you know, we we got to cherish Kareem while we still got Kareem and all those other greats. So, um, no, that's you know, I was sad when I heard about Willis Reed. Um Obviously, uh, the first thing I think of is the iconic call when he comes back with the sprained ankle. And Marv Albert, young Marv Albert, who's retired (laughs) now, was the one on that call in 1970. So um, just just amazing, amazing career and and a legacy that we should celebrate. No, definitely. And uh, it's it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned Kobe, because that actually look, we didn't put it on our agenda, but it just reminded me of a couple of other things that I want to make sure we mentioned. Before we get into the bulk of the episode, first off, um, we we got to shout out uh, Kobe's uh, right hand, my dude Pau Gasol on uh, getting his jersey put up in the rafters right next to his um, hermano. So shout shout out to Pau Gasol on getting his jersey retired by the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm not even gonna lie; I don't care, and I'm not afraid to admit it. Watching that ceremony that night. And watching Pal get choked up and listening to him talk to Vanessa and talk about Kobe, yeah, I cried. 
what you gonna do about it? I don't care because big whoop or the fight about that, it. There, there you go. Like after after the whole Kobe and Shaq breakup and those years of you know futility <laughs> where we're sitting here and Kobe's averaging 34, 35 a game, and it means that we're good enough to be an eight seed. Um, I we didn't know when it was going to happen again. And then, you know, the trade goes down, we get Powell, you know, Lamar steps up and does his thing. Um, Trevor Ariza, Ron Artest. I mean, Powell is that guy. And it means so much, not only because of Powell, the champion, but because of Powell, the friend, you see how their relationship blossomed even more in those later years. And you still see what Powell means to that family to this day. So, just seeing their support for him and seeing the city's love for Powell, it really meant a lot. So again, I got to say shout out to my guy. Number 16 is in the rafters and it is not going anywhere. Yeah, man. I, Pau Gasol is, he's one of the, he, he's such a unique player. Um, like his, his legacy, um, his fingerprints are over those two titles because, you Especially know. Especially the last one. Right. And and I think it, it's particularly sweet because his whole legacy as a Laker is what pretty much came from the rivalry with the Celtics, because in 2008, goes, you know, oh, we oh, know oh, what oh, the oh. narrative was about how Powell handled. was how Powell was eaten up by KG when when Boston won that series. And for what it's worth, it was the truth. Right. And <laughs> KG and worked him. He took that to heart. I mean, he got he got severely outplayed by Garnett in that series, and and you know though those same those same kind of criticisms for his career and and who he was as a player kind of came to the forefront as not being the toughest player, not being the most physical. You know, kind of you know, yeah, he's a good player, but he played on teams that weren't great, and so you know he he played better in the next series against Orlando and was a big reason why they won the championship. And in 2010, he got that revenge and without his game in game seven, listen, Lakers don't probably don't beat Boston in game seven. Cause Kobe was six of 24 that night. He didn't have it. I mean, we know, we know about our test. We know about, but Pal Gasol, Kobe passed me the ball. Right. And, but Powell was getting those rebounds and Powell was the reason that, you know, that, that series went the Lakers way in game seven. So um, in terms of his legacy, one of the most unique players, one of the most skilled players, very underrated in terms of his impact, um, he, you know, and I mean, that's no knock on him. He just happened to play in the same era as Dirk and Garnett and Duncan and all those guys. Um but if you th- if you're talking about those those guys at the power forward position, he's definitely in behind that group. Like he's right there. Um, mm-hmm. But Powell, like his his impact as you know a great defensive player, an excellent post scorer, one of the greatest passing big men we've ever seen. Um, you know his you know and and he wasn't hurt a lot either. He he was he was available, um, and and. You know, he he was the missing piece to Kobe winning those those, you know, rings four and five. And, and it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned um, the, the fact that he was kind of uh, we can say underrated, you know, not necessarily talked about as much because of guys like Dirk takes me right into my next point, because 
we just found out what a couple of weeks ago that Powell and Dirk are headlining arguably one of the greatest Hall of Fame classes <laughs> in history where we're looking at we're looking at Powell, we're looking at Dirk, we're looking at D Wade, we're looking at um uh, Becky Hammond, Greg Popovich, Tony Parker, that arguably one of the greatest imagine imagine if you put those guys that are becoming hall of famers as players right now, you put them on the bench and the coaching staff, we're looking at Hammond and pop who who's messing with this. Right. Like, I've said it before and I'll say it again, put anybody around them. I don't care who it is. There's five, it, five players, five players being inducted, 15 rings. Amazing. 15. Amazing. Unbelievable. Because they, were, I think they were actually what they were in that they were in that picture with Magic Johnson. Yeah, it was Magic. That's where it got to fifteen. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I think I mean what? So mine. I mean you still have what ten? Because Magic got what five, right? Magic Magic got five. Yeah. Tony got, got four. Powell had his two. Dirk had D-Wade the one, and three. then D Wade got three. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean it's let legendary status, man, and then it's. It's even more fitting that, you know, I get to sit here and discuss this with my boy because, you know, it's all Lakers this way. It's all Dallas that way. So two, two, two of the greatest international players, period, going into the Hall of Fame. But they just so happen to be representing our two squads. I love it. I love everything about it. It's so dope because one of the moments and we talked about this, like when we first began this podcast is one of the coolest trips we ever took was when we went up to Springfield for the, for the Naismith hall of fame. And that was my 31st birthday. So like three years ago we did that. And it feels like it's been so much longer. Right. Cause you know, 2020 was like two years and one. It's like two? it happened, but it doesn't feel like it happened. If that makes sense. I think it's cause everything was shut down in 2020, but right. thanks Rudy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. He, started the whole pandemic and reason why we we're semi-retired from hooping right now, but I'm, I'm on the comeback trail, but that's, a, that's a story for another day, but I'm, st- I'm still fat. I'm working on it. <laughs> so one of the things that was so cool is that at the time we went, Dirk had just retired. Like he had just, he had just announced his retirement, like in what early April. And mm-hmm. so, um, it was either no, it was it was it was it was like early May, I think it was. Yeah, it was early May. And one of the coolest things I saw, and one of the things that gave me pause when I was at the Hall of Fame <laughs> was they actually had Dirk's final game jersey up already in in the exhibit at the Hall of Fame. So you and know I wasn't saying. expecting to see that. I didn't know that they had went ahead and done that. And uh yeah, so that was that was one moment. And I'm sure if y'all, if y'all, if any of you follow me on Instagram or anything like that, if you scroll through, you can find that picture where I'm standing there and I'm looking at the jersey with my hand over my mouth because I'm just like, look, yo, we gonna, look, we gonna look, we gonna do them one better once we once we upload this episode, we're gonna put it on the JWJ podcast page as well, so y'all be yeah. looking out for that. <laughs> yeah, but no, like it, um, I'm, I'm. You know, it, it as a fan is it's really cool to see these guys that we grew up with finally make it into the Hall of Fame. Um, Definitely. Speaking of underrated players, Tony Parker, like Listen. Tony Parker, he was a as a Mavs fan. I ain't gonna lie, 
at first I couldn't stand Tony Parker because they were talk, always talk, beating us. You're talking to a Laker fan, man. I, right. I, I couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand him. Right. And and the thing with Tony, I think for me, I was like, man, he, he ain't even got a jumper and he is just torching us right now. <laughs> couldn't keep him out the lane. He just, he was probably the, the best small paint scorer we'd seen in a long time. I mean, Allen Iverson is up there, obviously, but like to Tony me, Parker, to me, even to me, even AI wasn't to me, AI was a lot more mid range. Even he wasn't killing it in right. the paint like Tony was, not in my opinion. Right. Like Tony had Tony had like that. He 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 pretty much coined the teardrop that everybody uses now. Um, if you think about all those players that are are going into the Hall of Fame, all of them have like a move that everybody uses now. Absolutely. <laughs> That's like a patented move. Like, even though Manu kind of brought in the Euro step, everybody knows D Wade for the Euro step. Everybody does the one-legged fade now. Case in point, you know, everybody does Dirk's one-legged fade. We just I just saw uh Asia Wilson. Uh, workout video and she's doing it and even on and even on the other end I feel like just backtracking a little bit I feel like it's definitely worth mentioning that no two guard in the league history has more blocks than your boy three right and and see like as a Mavs fan it's weird to talk about Dwayne Wade I'll admit it <laughs> but 2011 everybody knows what happened I can't I, I'm, I'm okay with it but you know it took a while to get to that point because you know, I fuck it. I'll say I'll, I'll use some profanity here. Every time we would sit there and have, every time we would have the conversation, <laughs> and James would bring up something about D Wade. The first thing I'm like, uh... D Wade, because <laughs> I still, I still, it took me so long before I was just like, you know what? Okay, like I never, I never discounted D Wade's greatness, but, uh. I'll always remember the fact that he shot 96 free throws in six games. I'll always remember the, that. The first episode of the JWJ podcast to have a parental advisory label on the yeah, episode. Yeah. And in case y'all wondering <laughs> about what us, I, I said, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but oh, no. no, like I love Dwayne Wade. I I think his impact on the game is immense. Um one of the greatest two guards of all time. And I mean, he wasn't even like on the big side of being a two guard. I mean, he was only six, four, but he Man. played much bigger. And, and, and you've you got know. to, and you've got to give him love because look, we were just talking about like athletes, especially NBA players and their levels of conditioning. Right. If y'all haven't seen it, go back and look at D Wade from his rookie year. Dude was a string bean. If you look at the weight, you look at the muscle that he put on and still managed to keep that speed intact, there's a reason that Shaq nicknamed that man Flash. There, there's a reason that that name stuck around, not just earning the name, but over the course of his career, it stayed because that man put on insane physique and still never lost a step when it came to his speed. It, it, super impressive, and I think it doesn't get enough attention at all. Right, and and... Couple that with the fact that he was so damn tough. I mean that. I mean we all know the Converse, you know, campaign when he first when after he won the title and you know he had his deal with Converse. You know, fall fall seven times, stand up eight. Hmm. Like 
he was on the floor all the time. And yeah. I think ultimately, I mean, that's what, that's what led to him, what retiring at like 36 because he, oh, yeah. he was so banged up by the end. I mean, his knees were pretty much shot, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much everybody on that list. I mean, if you hang around long enough, attrition eventually is going to get you that wear and tear is eventually going to get you. Um, but <laughs> your knee, your, your knees can die a hero or stay around long enough to become the villain. <laughs> right. There you go. There you go. There you go. And so, yeah, like, I mean, everybody, everybody hits it. I mean, I think Powell had like a foot injury or something like that, that, uh, hampered him at the end of his career. Tony Parker towards, blew his toward, quad in San Antonio and right. ended up in Charlotte. Like towards the towards the towards the end of Kobe. Uh, I mean, right. Kobe Kobe had the Achilles and then the knee. Like mm-hmm. it's just it's just a part of the game. But respect to all those dudes for for giving their bodies <clears throat> for not only for their for their love of the game, but to millions of fans across the world that mm-hmm. you know they enjoyed watching them play and appreciated what they did every single night. So shout out to those dudes going in the hall of fame. Shout out to my guy, Dirk. Hmm. Um, I'm really, really happy to see him go in. Shout out to the hermano, Mr. Powell. We love you. Um, now it's it's funny. I'm a I I use Pow as a segue. We've already mentioned Kobe a few times. The the last thing that I want to touch on, man, because I know we're um we we still have a few other you know pretty big topics that we want to talk about. Before we get to those, we are going to discuss the postseason a little bit later on. But there's one major aspect of the postseason that I feel needs to be mentioned real quick, and I'm gonna just lead in with a really simple question. Um. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and age myself, and I'm gonna say um, I was what 21 years old. Shane, what was going on in your life in 2006? In 2006, I was a senior in high school, okay, getting ready to graduate when the playoffs started. Okay, now. You know, something else that was really interesting about 2006, and for all the listeners, I'm sure you've heard it by now. If not, I'm going to go ahead and hit you with it. One thing that Shane and I, over the course of our friendship, we have never been able to do this one thing together. You ready for it? You ready? Guess what we get to, guess what we get to do at least over the phone, even if we don't see each other, Shane? We get to sit on the phone or sit in person and actually watch a Sacramento King playoff game. <laughs> Guys, hear me out. The Kings have officially clinched a playoff spot for the first time since 2006. Imagine this. All I want to say about this, we can sit here and say shout out to the players, do whatever you want, da 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 da, da this and that. At this point, to me, it better be unanimous if anybody votes for a coach of the year other than Mike Brown in Sacramento, you need to take their voting privileges away. (laughs) Because what he has managed to do in Sacktown this year is nothing short of amazing. Not only has this team made the postseason for the first time in 16 years, but they are what a three seed? I'm yeah. like, come on, come they on, man. Come on, man. It's not like they're in the play-in. They are sitting behind Denver, 
and Memphis. And if we're being completely honest, the record doesn't speak on it. You could even argue that they're just as good, if not better, than those two teams sitting ahead of them. I think you can easily argue that they're better than Memphis. Sorry, Ja, I still love you. I think you can easily argue that they're just as good, if not better than Memphis. Denver, honestly, the only thing holding that up is Joker. But if you look at the health issues that we've regularly seen running through mile high, I think you can argue that Sacramento is just as good, if not better than both of those teams. Kudos to Mike Brown. Kudos to De'Aaron Fox. Kudos to Sabonis. I'm going to say kudos to Malik Monk with a little bit of a tear in my eye because I'm still mad at my squad for that whole thing. Y'all go back and listen to the last few episodes and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But Sacramento doing the damn thing and doing it well. They went from, I mean, historically, the reason they hadn't made the playoffs since 2006 is because the front office was trash. <laughs> they were awful. They yeah. couldn't get the front office right. They couldn't get the coach right. Even when they even when they thought they had the coach, they didn't have the coach. They couldn't get mm -hmm. general managers right. Like it was a mess. And who would have thought that Mike Brown would be the guy that that shepherds the the resurgence of the Sacramento Kings? Who would have thought? Not, not me. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> who would have thought? Hey, hey. <laughs> learning. Look how we're learning as a group. <laughs> what we're doing. <laughs> but like they're one of the they're 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 one of the best offensive teams in basketball they're the way they move the way they pass the ball the way they can get into their shots and and, and generate offense is one of the it's one of the most fun teams to watch as far as just being able to score the basketball um defensively you know, it's it's a little bit rough, but I mean they they can they can hurt you any given night. They got shooting, they have they have big man play, they have guard play, they have a lot of things that make a successful team. And Mike Brown has has done that. I'm with James. If 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 Mike Brown isn't unanimously the coach of the year, then what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> and and to think, could could you can you imagine as good as this team looks right now? This was after they shipped out Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. Who, like, who was an all-star. Like, come on, man. Sorry, Wally Zerbiak. Scissorp. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't even say your name. I'm going back to the Jamie Foxx show. If you know, you know. Wally Scissorp. No, since he's such a hater, I'm going to just call him Walmart Zerbiak. <laughs> I don't even want to disrespect Walmart, man, because at least they have some great value. Y'all see what I did there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man. Now I, we're learning <laughs> as a group what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, man. But look, sack, sack, y'all, and y'all know, y'all know this is a big deal because again, if you go back to the early episodes of the podcast, I made it very clear what I think about Sacramento. So, for me to sit here, look, this was tough for me to sit here and go out of my way to give them this love, to give them those flowers. They it's very well deserved and very hard earned. They they've done it. They did it, and I think they're about to make some noise in the playoffs. I really, I I really think that they're about to put people on notice. I mean, a three seed in the West, and they're so young. They're they're only going to get better. You have a coach like Mike Brown, and they're so young. This team, 
the sky is the limit for them right now, man. It's yeah. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what happens, honestly. Yeah. I I I don't know. I don't know how much noise they'll make. Um, I think that because they're so young is what's gonna hurt them. I think they'll have their moments. Um, but I I, I think that 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 kind of general lack of experience is going to hurt them in the playoff. Mm-hmm. It's a completely different animal. I mean, we, we saw that with, with other teams in the past, it's like, you're going to have to kind of take your lumps. It's almost like an initiation process getting into the, getting into the playoff. But, you know, given how good they are offensively, I just want to see like, you know, once they get in there and you know who they're playing, like just to see like how they execute, is that offense mm-hmm. going to come as easily? Are they going to be one of the top offensive teams Mm-hmm. Uh, when when the game slows down and when it becomes every possession matters and everything is magnified and that pressure comes with that I just want to mm-hmm. see like how they handle it uh, that'll be a big that'll be a big kind of measuring stick to see how close are they how far away are they as far as being legitimate contenders because right now they're that upstart they're that team that I don't even think we had them making the play. I think I, did we did we said Definitely they would improve, not. didn't we? We said they would improve, but I still don't yeah, even think don't it think was postseason in the playoffs. Yeah. No, and and funny funny thing with that, you you know, I'm always you know coming across these random stats and stuff. I don't know if you've seen this one going around social media over the last day or two, but I got to hit you with this one. So the Kings' improvement is huge, but you got you know the Kings, Suns, Warriors, Clippers, and then my Lakers. All five teams in their division are going to finish the season above 500. Did you realize that since they realigned the six divisions in 2004, this is only the fourth time that that's ever happened? (laughs) And the crazy thing, the crazy thing is of those four times, every single one of them was in the Western Conference. So you have the Pacific Division this year. <laughs> then you have the 17-18 season with the Northwest Division. Mm-hmm. You have the 14-15 season with the Southwest Division. And the Southwest Division did it again the year that your guys won in 10 and 11. Yeah. So since 2004, it has only happened four times that all five teams in one division actually finished the season with a winning record. Shout out to Sacramento because they're leading the pack of those five. My mind blown. My mind yeah, shout blown. Out, shout out to them because this is this is one year where, like I said, I mean, we we talked about this before we came on. Like, it's amazing that the West is so wide open. Listen. It doesn't feel like there's one team that's just head and shoulders better than everybody else. Mm-mm. Um, do not be surprised if Denver goes out and lays an egg. Don't be surprised. If a team that's in the bottom half of the playoff seating pulls the upset and ends up making a run, don't that. be surprised if you look up and see the Lakers in the conference final. Don't be surprised. Look, it's, it's funny that it's funny that actually reminded me of something else that I heard on the radio the other day. And I sat back and really had to think about how true it was. Um, they were like, if you look at the Western Conference, when is the last time that you were discussing? who the quote unquote favorite was in, in the West or who who's going to come out of the West or who's going to run the table in the West, what have you. When's the last time you thought about that? And the first team to come out of your mouth was not one of the top three seeds in the West. <laughs> like 
who who right now is really really saying like oh this is denver's year oh this belongs to memphis oh sacramento's about to tear it up nobody <laughs> like all nobody. those teams got so much to prove and yeah. we, we, we'll 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 definitely dive deeper into the playoff like probably on another episode because i got i got a rant that I, I gotta go off on here in a little bit considering one team that Hmm. just uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there when we get there we go we we oh we're, we're definitely gonna get to it we're definitely gonna get to it but uh, again shout out to sacramento but i do want to go ahead push the pace a little bit look into in, in typical sacramento fashion we about to run this break we we about to we about to push it quick so Next thing I want to touch on, Shane, and you already know how I feel about this one, but I want to get your opinion and I want to make sure that all of our listeners can see where we both stand on this. Um, first off, I want to take a quick break from the NBA. And you know how much I love to show, you know, to show that attention, show that love, show that respect to the ladies. We're going over to this year's women's college basketball tournament. Um, one of the most amazing tournaments that I think I have ever watched. And I mean that with my whole heart. Every single game that I watched in that tournament was awesome. Um, possibly one of the biggest surprises was was seeing, you know, South Carolina go down early. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. But then I also think a lot of people underestimated Iowa's Caitlin Clark. Um, so everybody saw what Caitlin was capable of. She made sure to remind you, in fact, going into the title game, I was telling my family, I was here watching the game with them, and I told them, I was like, if LSU wants to win this game against Iowa, and as crazy as this sounds, I felt like it was a given. I was like, they're going to have to hold Caitlin to 30 or less. And, and they looked at me, and they were like, 30? I was like, yes, 30. And yeah, then within the, first, like, within the first five minutes of the game, they all looked at me, and they were like, okay, I see what you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> So, so, but, but the big thing that I wanted to touch on, and I'm sure you already know what I'm getting at, um, you know, earlier in the tournament, you know, closing moments of the game, you have Caitlin Clark, you know, she, 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 she hits, you know, she hits them with the whole, you can't see me. She goes John Cena on them or, you know, according to hip hop heads, oh, Tony Yayo, as if anybody really cared about him. He's the one guy that we're like, oh, he was NG unit, but whatever. Um, so, you know, she hits him with the whole taunt, you know, that you can't see me, and nah, 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 which even garnered attention from John Cena himself, which I thought was hilarious because I figured that Ernest was still at camp. Um, so that goes down. Then we fast forward to the to the title game. And here's where the fun kicks in. If you're listening and you're a big fan of hoops, you already know what I'm getting at. So Towards the end of the game, once it's all a wrap, it's all done, sealed, you know, all of that. Um, star sophomore Angel Reese from the Tigers actually starts to follow Caitlin around the floor and hits her not only with, you know, the pointing at the ring finger, but also hits her with the same you can't see me taunt. Okay, cool. Now. Real fans of the game understand trash talk happens. It's all good. The media went haywire with this. All of a sudden now, Angel Reese is classless. She doesn't respect the game. She's shallow. She's all of these negative things that we coincidentally did not hear being used to describe 
Caitlin Clark at all just less than a week before. So yeah, we we were talking about her passion and and her her uh her how great she is and how much of a competitor she is, but hmm. the minute the minute Angel Reese does it, she's classless and she's all kind of stuff that we were seeing. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it it gets ugly. It gets ugly. And I mean, it, this this goes back to the episode we had about Brittany Griner and uh oh and her and her situation and how people were saying a lot of crazy mess about her. This is in that same vein, even though it's it's different and this is on the court and this is a different issue that isn't political per se. It's the same thing. Classless. I don't know. That kind of sounds like one of those uh, racial dog whistles. I, I was just about to say classless is a very nice way to to to, in my opinion, get racial with it without having to be censored. Right. Yeah, it's 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 all a shame. But even even going deeper than just that championship game moment. I feel like it still has to be discussed because it was even brought up earlier in the season. Um, we we talked about it. I can't remember who they were playing, but earlier in the season, you know, there was the play um, an LSU game where Angel had actually lost her shoe. Mm-hmm. And she still manages to come down in the paint, track down the opponent attacking the rim. She manages to get the block. And, it, and it's funny because it made me think about that opening scene where they were talking about uh, Uncle Drew, where they were talking about Kyrie and Uncle Drew. And they were like, yeah, he went out there and beat him with one hand. And then the other hand, he was holding a ham sandwich. Like, Angel Reese comes up and gets this block, and in the other hand, she's holding her shoe, which just so happened to come off of her foot. Now, anybody out there that's played ball, anybody out there that's been through this moment, if you are on a court that is properly conditioned and you lose a shoe, good luck getting up in the air because you mess around and plant and jump the wrong way and you're losing a leg. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. So the fact that Angel still managed to get this block with her shoe in her hand, of course she starts celebrating. She starts getting crunk. She starts getting hyped. And immediately the media comes for her. Oh, you've got to know when there's a time and a place for that. That was uncalled for. That was unnecessary. Let me tell you something. I'm 5'10 on a good day. If I get a block on somebody and I'm only wearing one shoe, I'm going to talk about it for at least five minutes at least 10 years okay i'm not letting it go so the fact that she was in that moment representing her team playing the anchor for her team and made that work and made it work well i posted on social media as soon as they won i said angel get out there and stretch your stuff girl i was like they want to say that you're classless they want to say that you don't respect the game and this and that go out there and show them how a champion acts now let them find something else to say right by the way Speaking of speaking of like one shoe and all that, shout out to Mike Miller. That reminded me of that. <laughs> Sorry, OKC fans. Oh man. If, if there's any of y'all out there. Um, oh man. <laughs> yeah. So shout out to that. But no, like, like, you know, she that that to me, to me, like I like when I when I was when I was playing a lot and I was in competitive situations, like I wasn't the type that that trash talked anybody, but I definitely played with a little bit a little bit of an edge. So like it would be nothing for me if I hit some threes. It'd be nothing for me to start giving it to the other team and me posing and and, and feeling myself. Cause that's what you do when you hoop. 
I that's was, what you do. I, I was the opposite. It's funny, man, because like I and I think and it's funny because I, I feel like I feel like my wife gives me this all the time. And I think our daughter's kind of picking up on my habits already, if you can believe it. But the the Gemini and me, man, I I was never a trash talker. The Gemini and me on the court, I just let my face do the talking, man. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody's telling me I can't do something like, hey, I've always told you one of my favorite YMCA stories from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like my I, I, I let my face do the talking like you could sit here and run your mouth and dog me and say whatever you want. But at the end of the day, if my team wins by seven or eight and I'm responsible for over half of that team's assists, what do I have to say to you? Right. You're about to go sit down. You can say whatever you want because now you're a spectator. Go have a seat. I said what I needed to say, and it showed in the final score. So I, I'm with you. I've never been much of a trash talker because to me, it's much more fun to watch people vent and go off on me. And then once the game is over, it's just like, I, what, what were you saying? What? Yeah. I, I can't hear you. Sorry. Yeah, that, that, that's exact. Like I was always the type. Like, like, like I said, I was, I strike my, I'd, I'd hit my poses after I hit a three or something like that. Especially if you know, if I'm feeling myself, that's just how it's gonna go. But I was never the type to engage or get into trash talk with anybody. If anything, people would try me because I was always like mm-hmm. kind of the quiet dude that you know. All I did was put my head down and play. Like I was always working on my shot. I was always doing stuff. So, you know, you'd have people come in the gym, you know, don't even know me and they'd be getting in my face. Like I can tell this story real quick because it it ties in kind of nice. So I was probably, I think I was like 16, 17. And so we had, it was the old boys and girls club gym downtown. Hated it. And, you know, I, I pretty much had worked myself into like, you know, we play ball every day and I'd work myself into being like the top player at this gym. And so, you know, it, it, when you're the top player at the gym, like you don't say this, but you're like, yeah, it's my gym. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm the dude in here. And so last time I checked. Right. So, so one day I'm in there and there's this dude. I've never seen this dude in my life. And we're getting ready to play like four on four, like half court, I think. it. So dude, dude's probably like five. I'd give him, I'm six, I'm six, two. I'd give this dude probably five, eight, nine. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I'll give him an extra inch. I'll give him five. He pull it. I'd he pull it. Five. He pull it. He pulling his TI. I said he five, nine with the soul of a six folk. Never mind. Right. Right. So. This dude, who I've never seen before in my life, gets right up in my chest. And he's just following me. Every step, he's right, he's right in my shirt. And he's just, he's just talking mad. So <laughs> he's talking and he's just like, I got this mother. Like, okay. I'm like, all right. So he's one of these dudes. All right. So he's just like, he ain't, you ain't gonna score. You ain't gonna score. Trash mother, like in my face. Hmm. So he's following me the whole way. I'm like, all right. I'm not saying nothing to him. I'm just nodding. I'm just going about the game. I'm just playing. So you know, I miss my first couple shots. Whatever. He starts. He starts landing on thicker. I'm like, all right, here we go. So finally, I get him in the post. I turn, face him up, give him a shot fake, go by him, get to the cup. I score. I'm thinking, okay, maybe he'll stop talking. You ain't gonna do it again. That's some lucky shit. You ain't going to do that again. You ain't going to do it again. 
If you do it again, we'll see. We'll see. Just keep on, right? And he's in the whole time, like he's walking, like he's trying to, he's trying to like be physical with me. He's trying to push me, bump me, whatever. I'm like, all right, cool. So fast forward, we getting down to like toward the end of the game, we're going to 15. He scored a bucket. He beat me. He got to the butt. He got to the basket. He's still talking. I'm like, all right, whatever. So our guy shoots it. They get the rebound. I'm like, all right, whatever. So he gets the ball on the other side. We got switched off each other for a minute. He drives to the basket. I came from the right block to the left block. We <laughs> thought he was going to get him a layup. I rotate over, and I go up, and I swat this ball. I, I, he, I didn't get up high enough to pin it to the glass, but here's what happened. He had been, he had been yapping to me the whole game. I rotate over. He thought he had a layup. I come up, bang, erase it. It hits the bottom of the backboard. They had steel backboards at this gym. Yeah. So every miss, every make, you heard everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I go up. I swat this ball. It hits the bottom of the backboard and ricochets. It hits him right in the damn mouth. <laughs> Bust his fucking lip. And it goes out of bounds off him. <laughs> we won the game. I never saw that dude in my gym again. He never said another word to me. There you go. But best believe when I swatted that ball off the glass, well, the steel, I said, get that mother out of here. <laughs> Come in. That's when I let all the emotion, all the the pin up. Like this dude's go. been pushing me. He's been in my face, calling me garbage, like telling me I ain't like you name it. He was telling me this. I never met this dude before in my life. That was the first Listen. day I saw him and the last day I saw him. Listen, nah, man. Look, look. In in, yeah. in like, I told you, man. See me. I, I tend. I try to be a jerk insult to injury at the end of, at the end of my story like i still made it a point to go over there and try to shake dude's hand like <laughs> yo like like with a smile on my face bro he smacked my hand and walked out the gym <laughs> right there's nothing sweeter than just giving it back like yeah, i was like i don't have a reason to talk trash man i was like i'm out here to do one thing i was like i'm here to make sure that my team gets 15 of these through that hoop I don't care about nothing else. So, right. like afterwards, yeah, I went up and I was gonna shake the dude's hand just to be a jerk. I don't care. Like that's that's how I play. I'm not gonna talk trash to you in the moment. Once we're done, I'm gonna come up to you and just act like it never even happened. I'm gonna be oh, like, like good, good game, dog. Gotta, good game. Sometimes you gotta give it back. Sometimes you gotta give it back in your own way, and that's 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 one way to do it. Like, uh -huh. uh, what another another quick story? We were in college. I was at the wreck. There was these dudes from the football team at Valdosta State that came in and they wanted to play. Hmm. So obviously with them being football players, they're like extra physical. So right. I'm bringing the ball up the court and dude basically goes like full on like Robert Ory, Steve Nash and like tries to check me out of bounds. <laughs> so I call a foul. Bro, I've never had somebody basically knock the hell out of me and then call me Call me, you know, bees and all this <laughs> for me calling the foul. 
I'm mm. like, bro, you literally ran up and tried to tackle me like it was first and 15. Like, get out of here. So mm-hmm. I called a foul, and I'm like, bro, respect the call. You literally pushed me out of bounds. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hit that. I don't want to hit that. You a you a. I'm like, all right, okay, whatever. So the whole time I'm trying to defuse the situation. I'm like, just respect the call. You tackled me out of bounds. So he's still going. So he, I, I didn't forget the fact that he called me a bit. So, <laughs> so what happened? We get down to the end. I think the game's like tied or they're up one or whatever it is, down one, whatever. We're down one. And so we're playing, dude scores this tie game. Next bucket get either gets the lead or you win with a three. So naturally, we come down on offense. I started out like down underneath the goal. I pop out to the wing. Dude comes running out. I hit a three over him. <laughs> we win the game. And the first thing I said was, <laughs> get the fuck off my court. <laughs> Who the bitch now? Who the bitch now? We on the court. You get the fuck off. Because trash, we about to- trash, trash talk is a natural, man. But yeah, it's- like, you got to give it back. Like, it's one thing to take it, you know? It's nice to dish it back out, especially when you didn't ask for it in the first place. But, like, it's just part of, it's part of that gamesmanship. It's It comes with the game. Like, I'm not the one that starts the trash talk, but it's so, so nice to finish it. No, it's, it's, so it's, nice. it's, it's it's so funny because I remember um uh one one of the one of the first times that um you know uh my girlfriend you know my wife now one one of the first times that she got to see you and I play against each other you know back in the church league um like we were sitting there and you know at that point she had known you I think for like you know a, a few years but um the, so we're we're getting on the court ready to play and we played like we play like I, I gotta throw it out there I mean I, I I might not have been you know one of the leading scorers but I do remember I cracked the game open with that three when you came and tried to chase me out on the right wing but um yeah so- I'm still I'm still like, <laughs> I'm still like hold on now it's funny because I want to say in that game you you can you can correct me on this I want to say in that game literally I think the only times we actually scored in that game was on each was, other with, with, on each other yeah he, that, hit a, like he, hit a, both, he hit a corner three. I came sides. full closeout, full extension. And it was the first the possession of the game because we had we had right. won the tip, and I went over to the right wing. Right. And I wasn't even going to put it up, but as soon as I saw you come in, I didn't see anybody, like nobody else was cutting or anything. So I was like, right. I might as well pull it. Let me go ahead and heat check it. The game's like right. five seconds old. So I was right. like, boom. And as soon as I let it go, I was like, this dude is so much taller than me. I was like, he's about to put this in the stands and I'm about to look crazy. And the next thing I know, I hear the net pop and I was like, oh uh, yeah. I'm still but, trying to I'm still trying to figure out how I didn't how I didn't get a piece of it. I, told, I was look, I was up there. I told you, man, it was back to my old school, man. Like looking at Derek Fisher. I was put I put that ball up there. I might have yeah. scraped some paint off the ceiling. But um no, I think the, that might have been a bird that landed on my I head. I say, look, call, call me, call me the church league, Randy Johnson, man. But um, <laughs> but I say all that to say, like after the game, I go up to her and she was like, "I thought that was your friend," and I was like, "That's my best friend." Like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? She was like, "I would have thought you guys hated each other," and I was like, "We did." She was like, "Well, I don't get it." I was like, "Yeah, until that final buzzer, I can't stand his ass." Like I, I don't 
I don't want anything to do with him. Like he's wearing that a different game. color shirt. Like he can kick rocks. Oh, like that game pissed me <laughs> off so bad because like that was like one of the worst games I think I've ever played. I hit one basket, and here's the thing: I remember I got a steal. And the only person back is James. And I'm having, <laughs> I think I missed like my first 11 shots. It was one of the worst games I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I scored two points that night and I got a, I got a steal and a breakaway. James will hit me <laughs> step for step. I'm like, if he, if he finds a way to squat this, I'm going to kick this dude at the end of this game. I'm going to kick him straight up. So I get the steal. I go up. He he challenges it, oh, but I get around man. him. I get the layup. My one my one basket, oh. one for twelve, <laughs> two points. And I thought, because like I said, I thought James was about to sneak up and, and hit me with the chase down because it was just that kind of night. Oh man! And yeah, so I get the bucket. They won convincingly. I think they beat us think, for like twelve. And I and I think like in that, that and I think in that game I only finished with like five or six because I want to say on the other end in the second half I got fouled attacking. And I had a couple of free throws. So I think right. I only finished the game with like five. Like it was, but you'd have right. thought we were going at it on like some T Mac and Kobe. Type. <laughs> right, right. And see, and here's the thing we played each other twice that year. That was our first year playing this league. Right, now, right. I I had my worst game against them and I had my best game against them. <laughs> and again, it all comes down to competitiveness and trash talking. Mm-hmm. But the coincidence, the, the coincidence though, is even with the trash talk, I feel like both of our like overall best games period that season though came like that one time when I had to sub in and we actually got to play on the same team together. Right. Like that was- <laughs> like we had we had a blast because it was like my team was bad, his team was dysfunctional. So it's like listen, we we had a my team, it was like shoot, it was like it was like we, coming to paradise. It was dope. We, we we had a we had a point guard on our team, man. I'm gonna tell you right now, you could not pay me money to ever suit up with that guy again. I I I don't care if you're listening. You know who you are. I <laughs> I I you couldn't pay me to play with that dude again because he was selfish. He was a ball hog, and all he wanted to do was try to get on to teammates for their mistakes, as if he went through the season with no turnovers. It was awful. Every single time something slipped up. It's always what somebody else is doing wrong. He's never paying attention to himself. But granted, at the same time, this dude probably led the team in turnovers. Right. Like, it, it, like, get out of here with that. But yeah, you you couldn't pay me to play with that dude again. But there was just that one night where Shane was like, hey, yo, James, we're a guy short. You want to run? And we had actually just finished the game. So I was like, that's cool, whatever. So and we let out- it happen. So we got <laughs> out there, right. So we So we get out there. And I'm telling you, like, you'd have looked at it and you really would have looked like Shane and I had been playing together like our whole lives. Like, like it was like even his teammates were looking at us like, what is really going on right now? It was a done deal. It's like we we played, we played, we've played together forever mm-hmm. in the times as we've been friends, which is like, what, 11 years now? Yeah, at least 11. Roughly either so, either like, 11 or 12. So one of those. Right, and and eventually we will tell y'all what JWJ means. It's coming. We, we are we are gonna get to that. Look, maybe maybe we should just save it for June when we hit a year, and yeah, that's that'll we'll, be the we'll that'll be the that'll be the we'll call it the the anniversary episode. But, um... but yeah, like so before we get too off topic, I got I gotta finish I gotta finish the church league story. Yeah. <laughs> so when I say I had I went from my worst game 
of the season to my best game. So they were like one of the top teams in the league. I want to say it may have been like second, third place. My team was in a yeah, free we fall. finished. Yeah, we finished in second. I think we only lost yeah. either. It was either. I think we lost two games. Yeah, one so of them. Like, I think I feel like one of them was to y'all. Like I think we lost one. I feel like we lost one game. It might. It might have been JB's team. Mm-hmm. It might have been the Warriors. Now we definitely lost game. to them, but I thought yeah. we lost one to y'all too. No, I think um, y'all, beat, um. y'all beat us twice. Because so, <laughs> the first, the first game, like that was the one we just played terrible. Mm. Uh, the second game, we were in it until we weren't. Um, <laughs> but ba- but long story short, um, second game against James's team, and I'm I'm like the top scorer for my team. Mm-hmm. I think I averaged like twelve points a game that league that season. Mm-hmm. And so we were in a free fall. We won our first game out of 12 games. We won our first game and lost the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it became like, it got to the point where like winning wasn't even like the thing. It was just like, shit, we're just going to have fun. Screw it. Like, this is it. So we get down to it and I missed like my first four shots. <clears throat> and they had this older dude on their team and he was going to guard me. And I put guard loosely. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the air quotes on guard because he just kind of would stand in the area and talk to you. That was his defense. You said this was the game against us, right? Right. Oh, I know exactly so, who you're talking about. Yeah, I ain't gonna so, I ain't gonna say his name either because I still no, see we, him. We I, names, I still I still know. see him. I still see him way too often. So I, right. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm right. not so gonna <laughs> so I I start like zero for four. I miss a bunch of easy looks, and he's just talking. Oh, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. I ain't got to worry about it. I ain't got to worry about it. So I remember my first bucket. It was a three. So I came down. I think it was transition. I might have came down and he's like backing off. It was definitely transition. I remember. I remember. Yeah, the play I got a rebound about. and I pushed it up and he's like backpedaling on defense. He's not like stopping me at all. I, I remember the exact play. So I pop, I stop and pop from the right wing and I hit it. Yep. He's like, eh, that's lucky. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I ain't gonna worry about it. I ain't gonna worry about it. Then I hit another. I was because I was coming down on the left. I was coming down on the left just in case you tried to kick it to anybody. And he was steady back right. because he was. Look, I had I had one of your teammates over on the left side with me, and he was farther back than I was. But you were still like you right. hadn't even crossed half court yet. I was right. like, okay, he gonna learn. And I and you heard me. I even told him I was like, you better step up. Right. I was. I'm like, I shouldn't be helping, but I'm like, you better step up. Like you yeah, he, he kept saying, he kept saying, I ain't gonna worry about it. I ain't gonna worry about it. So I took I, that personally. I, I said you should. <laughs> <laughs> so I hit another one. Then third bucket, he actually took a step. I blew by him. I got a layup. Mm-hmm. So before you know it, I got like 11 points by the half. Right. I got like three threes. I got 11 points at the half. And me and James, we during halftime, since it's a church league that we played in, we had, we'd have to go in the same room together and do what they called devotionals. Yeah. So they would have yeah. they would have this list or they'd have this this paper set up, and they they would it would be like the devotion for the day. It'd be basketball related, but it would be about Christ. So right, we get in there, we sit next to each other, and the first thing I hear when we walk into the little, little <laughs> side room. Is I told you, I told you, you got to step up on him. James is letting them know. 
I'm just sitting there like the whole time I'm locked in. I ain't saying nothing. I'm sitting there like in a dead sweat. I, I got like the, like how Kobe was when David Spade and Chris Rock were there. Like, Chris I'm Rock, was, Chris Rock was giving them that man, man, man. Like, right, And I'm like, just man, sitting there like tunnel vision. Because right? <laughs> I want to say it was it was close at halftime. It was like two-point game or three-point like game, that. whatever, at halftime. Yeah. So we do devotion, we come back out. And then I go nuts. Like, mm-hmm. I'm hitting everything. And long story short, I had 25 that night. I had seven threes. But we ended up losing, like, pretty handily. Like, I want to say, like, it was one of those deals where as long as I was hitting shots, like, we were all right. And then the rest of my teammates, like, we just kind of went cold. So I got to hit them with, got to hit them with. Look, this this episode is going to include a lot of T.I. I let them know at halftime. I said, I'm trying to tell y'all busters, y'all ain't messing with no rookie. (laughs) But, like, it's one of them things. It's like, like, again. Like you're 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 trash talking me, and you're basically doing the Caitlin Clark, where you're waving me off and just letting me hang out. That was all. That was awful. It was so, it was awful, but at the same time, it was so dope. Right. I, so I was stepping up and I was hitting them, and I wasn't missing. Like the basket felt like it felt like a hula hoop out there. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't missing, and so you know, long story short, I had twenty five. I think we only ended up with like. 40 something as a team like 43 45 i think we lost like 60 to 43 that night something like that but like people were coming up to me after the game like telling me how entertaining it was like how much fun it was man you had about 40 no i was just 25 but (laughs) you know it it was a great game and so like trash talk is a part of it and i i like to use it as fuel i take it personally as a challenge to prove you wrong and so Taking it back to where we started with this, hopefully y'all enjoyed that story. By the way, um, <laughs> there will be more listening to there, this. There will be more. If you are listening to this, by the time y'all hear it on YouTube, give us a like, subscribe, click that notification bell to get more original content from us. You know where to find us on Instagram. We'll get to that spiel later. Get but racking. just to get back to where we were, like the Angel Reese situation, I loved it because. Mm-hmm. If everything if about can it. walk around and give them the you can't see me and and she can wave off the girl from from okay. South Carolina, like if she can do that, then she should be able to take it. And she did. That's and why she I did think, that. Yes. Go right? ahead. And, Go that's, ahead. and that's why I feel like the whole angel. Re- I'm like, if the competitors themselves don't have a problem with it, then it's a non-issue. Right. And I'm like, look, I I don't blame her for giving it back to her. Because not at, all. not at all, especially because of who Angel is and how her personality is. It's like look, she, she's I, made it very clear. She's very unapologetic, and I love everything right. about it. Right, and and you know, there's nothing better than that person that's talking trash, where they get their comeuppance. I've seen it time and time again, working in sports, covering games. I've literally seen crowds get in dudes' heads after they trash talk guys on the home team. I've seen it. They've literally been taken out of games because they want to talk trash, but then when the fans start giving it back, they crack. I've seen it. So, you know, seeing Angel give it to Caitlin Clark the way she was, I love it because it says two things. Number one, it's a competitive game. You're trying to win a championship, and it's it's the highest level of competition. There's going to be trash talk. That's part of the competitive desire. Now, 
you know, people can say, oh, you know, she waited until after the game. I'm like, look, I don't care about that. I'm like, look, if if she can go off and she can pose and she can do her thing, Angel can give it back to her. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to see more of in the women's game. Like, and listen, and, and I'm trying to sanitize it. Like basketball yeah. is basketball. Like ball is ball. Like ball's gonna happen. You're gonna talk, and people gonna talk back. Like it, it should be more than okay. This ain't tennis where everybody's supposed to be quiet and and quaint and you know not you know very you know. There's we the out, and all here. this. No, it's basketball. We out here giving each other, you know, the jazz fingers. Right, know. right. Like, nah, we ain't here for that. Like, no. So, so <clears throat> no. I, I. The only controversy came from when people couldn't take that. They were triggered by, you know, the white girl getting getting the black girl in her face talking talking crap. So, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if if you yeah. are upset about this, like, why? Nah, my, why are you upset? My... Like, why? Why is it that when Angel does it, it's a problem, but Caitlyn can do it, and she's passionate and she's competitive, but then the other person gives it back to her, and she's ghetto and she's all this. Exactly. So I exactly, I love what Angel had to say. I'm glad that she didn't back off from it. I'm glad that she was unapologetically her, as she said. So, nah, and 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 yeah. and the best and the best way I can put it, which is going to take us directly into the next thing I want to cover. Um, we, we going we gonna holler at the boy finesse two times, one more time. Um, one of the first things that I thought about, and it's been, it's been floating around social media, uh, when it comes to Angel and it comes to Caitlyn, <clears throat> everybody wants, you know, it's basically a situation again, where, um, it's, it's cool when they do it. It's a problem when I do it. And I'm gonna say that to say this, anybody that has a problem <laughs> with Angel Reese doing it you're about to have to keep dealing with it because um, she will be a notable face for quite some time because she's only a sophomore and she will be coming back to school. She's already made it clear that with NIL money that she's making, there's honestly no hurry for her to go pro. Again, that's a whole other conversation that we can have later on. But I say all that to transition directly into what I do want to mention next we have another draft coming up soon, guys. In less than 48 hours, we will have the 2023 WNBA draft. And listen, you thought the tournament this year was something to see? I honestly think this could be one of the best classes that's going to come out in the draft. Uh, just some of the names that have already declared we've already we've been talking about her for months before this season even started uh south carolina's Aaliyah boston uh you got uh maryland's diamond miller villanova's uh maddie segrist if y'all haven't been watching you better go pull up youtube and pay attention uh stanford's haley jones who in the last mock draft i saw is actually projected to go to atlanta shane i'm excited um <laughs> uh oklahoma's maddie williams uh, there, there's a ton of names. Look, South Carolina's a uh, Zaya Cook, Bria Beal, uh, Alexis Morris out of LSU has declared. Um, you, you have so many big, big names that are coming out. Another surprise, in my opinion, uh, Miami's Destiny Harden, uh, another one that's on that list of players that that plans to make that transition. So, the WNBA draft is going to be a big, big deal. Like I said, it's gonna it's gonna be airing on uh, Monday, April tenth. 
uh, we're at, we're recording this right now. It's after midnight, so technically it's April 9th. But um, the draft will be taking place very, very shortly. And it, it's I, I can't wait to see what happens because basketball, especially women's basketball, is finally getting a lot more attention. Uh, if you've been seeing the social media posts and seeing the numbers, the women's tournament did numbers that have never been done before this year. And it was they're saying this was in comparison to um, they they were comparing it to things like Super Bowls and NBA finals and things of that nature. Like the, the women's tournament did numbers this year. I think they said the women's tournament reached somewhere around. I think just the championship game alone hit almost 10 million viewers like it, it's it, it's it's taking off. People need to pay attention. So this this draft is going to be big. I think this upcoming WNBA season is going to be big. I'm going to say what I've been saying for like the last six, seven months. And Shane, I'm sure you agree with me. Congratulations in advance to the Indiana Fever for drafting Aaliyah Boston with the number one pick on Monday night. We already know what it is. That is not to diminish any other woman in that draft. I'm just letting you know what it is. Aaliyah Boston is probably the most coveted woman in that class. And I don't think that it's anything up for discussion. I think that she's absolutely going number one. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, I, I can't, I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see what she does in the, in the league. Um, you know, we, we saw with Ryan Howard, I mean, she comes in and I mean, she was, she was a problem in college and she was a problem in the pros. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I like seeing like the differences in level because for the longest time, you know, I feel like there wasn't too much of a difference between high level division one women's college basketball and the WNBA. Now I feel like they're, they're starting to, like you're starting to see more high level players get there and you're seeing the level of play rise as well. So I'm, I look, I'm looking forward to the draft. If, if Leah Boston isn't number one, then somebody will probably be looking for a job soon. Look, <laughs> and, and and just like we talked about before about how like these, you know, top talents end up really having to like just put up numbers and prove themselves early because they go to like bad situations. That's the only thing that I hate for her right now is because as you saw, Indiana was awful last year. And um, over, like we said, I think it was over half of their roster was either rookies or second year players. And now you're about to add another rookie to the mix. Granted, she's a she's going to be a hell of a rookie, but she's still going to be a rookie. So it, it's it's going to be a change of pace. Um, I think she'll adapt pretty quickly, but it, it's gonna it's gonna be very very interesting to see. Um, I so a few things that I want to talk about. The next thing that we're going to get into, um. Going from the WNBA, we're going to transition over real quick back to the NBA. There, There's some pretty important things that have gone down outside of the court, outside of the arena that we do need to touch on. Um, just recently, and by recently, I mean within the last week or so, um, the league has reached a new uh, CBA, a new collective bargaining agreement with the NBA Players Association. Now, some things that we've seen that have been very interesting. Um, we we now know that as early as next season, we're going to see 
an actual in-season tournament, which we'll we'll discuss that more in a second once I run this list down. So there will be an in-season tournament that could possibly start as early as this upcoming season. Um, there's now going to be an allowance for active players to invest in both NBA and WNBA teams. I'm a little indifferent on that one. I do feel a little, I, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Um, but I just want to make sure I get some of these key points out while we're going. So we have the in-season tournament. Um, players are going to be able to invest in, you know, NBA and WNBA franchises. Um, there's not going to be, uh, there will still be drug tests, but marijuana is no longer involved, which personally, I'm okay with that. You ask me, I I don't smoke, but I also don't understand why that would affect what these players do on the court. I'm not going to go too deep into that. That 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 could be just this whole crazy topic on its own, but that's just where I stand. I think eliminating marijuana from that is totally fine. I don't I don't have an issue with it. Y'all can agree, y'all can disagree, however you feel. Let us know in the comments. Shoot us some emails at the JWJ podcast at gmail.com. Let us know on Facebook. Let us know on Twitter. Let us know on Instagram, wherever you want to do that. Let us know how you feel. A few other key points from the new CBA. Um, when it comes to uh, regular season awards, and this to me is a hot button, and I think that Shane and I can both really kind of dig deep into this one. Um, first of all, all NBA awards are going to be positionless now. And what I mean by that is, you know, you have your five positions on the court. You know, you got your point guard, your shooting guard, your small forward, power forward, your center. You can also break those down into what they call the front court and the back court. Your front court players being your power forwards and your centers, you know, your back court, you know, being those those smaller three guys. Um, so it's been announced that those all NBA teams are going to be positionless now, um, which will explain a little bit more about what that means. But the big thing that I would like to discuss, and I mean, we're going to go through all of this. So, like I said, so far we've got with the new CBA, we're looking at an in-season tournament that could be starting as early as next season. Um, players are now allowed to invest in NBA and WNBA teams, um, we have no more marijuana being checked for during drug tests, the which yeah, yeah. exactly. And look, like I said, I, the way I feel about that personally, I don't smoke, but I also see why that just needs to go. I don't think it's a problem personally. Um, uh, the all NBA teams are going to be positionless now. Like I said, we'll discuss that a little bit more in just a second. And the last thing that I want to point out and this is something that was put in based on everything that's been going on with load management over the last few years. There is now a minimum game requirement to even qualify for regular season awards. So meaning most valuable player, most improved player, six man of the year, all of those things. There is now a requirement where you have to play in at least 65 of the 82 regular season games in order to even qualify for any of those awards. So, what I want to do 
we're going to hit some of those heavy ones. We can come back if we have time to the others, but I want to immediately start here. Shane, in your opinion, how do you feel about this whole 65 game minimum for regular season awards? You know, I, I like it because we've seen we've seen with low management, we've seen so much of the, you know, players missing a ton of games, just sitting out. Um, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, like other guys, just you know, I mean, LeBron, I think they've they've low managed him a little bit. Um, not Absolutely. Back Definitely. Back, some guys. Definitely. Um, you know, we we've seen it across the league where people are, you know, injury management, they're calling it that kind of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I think now, I think if you had 65 game minimum to be eligible for those awards, I think, I think it's actually a smart move uh, for the league to, to do that because a lot of guys have incentives in their contracts that state like, okay, if you make all NBA or, you know, you, you, um, you make all NBA, you make all defensive team, you do whatever um that you you know you'll you'll hit those incentives in your contract you make more money so i one thing that people don't like they don't like when you mess with their money that's right you know there's some people that that like to piss it away that that want to complain about referees they're like all right i'm gonna get fined i'm gonna do this and you know twenty thousand dollars lighter but you know for the most part it's like look i Ultimately, it gives it gives players more of an incentive because if you really want to be all NBA, you really want to make the all star team, you really want to do whatever, then you got to be available. The best the best ability is availability. And my and that's what I was going to say. My thing is, what in the world makes you think that you're of any value to your team if you only play half the games in a season? Right. It that that's just like that. That's just like I was saying. And again, you know, no, no knock on it. But that's kind of like what I was saying at, you know, at the deadline when Kyrie got traded to your squad. Like, I'm like, I totally understand every bit of value that Kyrie brings. But my big concern was, was he going to be on the court to do it? It's like your value to an organization does not matter if you're not actually playing. And I know we'll get to that in a minute. But that that to me is just an example, just like you said with Kawhi. When Kawhi shows up and Kawhi plays, he's outstanding. But when there's 82 games in a season and you finish and you've only played 49 of those, it, what what good are you for me? Like, yeah, you're going to help us win. Okay, let's say that every single game that you play in, we win. So we win 49 games. Do you realize where that would place you in the West right now? <laughs> like, you're you're still going to be in a position. Are you going to be active? Are you going to be ready once the postseason starts? Are you going to load manage then? Is your body, we already know you have problems with your knees. Is your body going to be ready to play? Because at best, if you go through and sweep it all, you still got to be healthy and ready for 16 games. Right. At no point during the regular season did you play 16 games in a row. So are you going to be able to do it then? The the thing that I look at when it comes to the whole minimum game requirement is everybody wants to complain that, oh, you know, the players get tired and the players are hurt and this and that and da 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 da. And I'm like, okay, and like, not not to be that inconsiderate person, but this is what you signed up for. And everybody like, does it. It's just like the bubble. It's like yes. everybody that's in there 
has to do the same thing that you're doing. Everybody exactly. in the NBA has to play the same 82 game schedule. So everybody's exactly. tired. Everybody's banged up. Exactly. And 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 my big thing is, okay, we're we're gonna sit here and if you're if you're not in a position, like I think what I think what people don't understand sometimes is they want to look at it like, oh, like they shouldn't have to play all 82. Their bodies are gonna break down and this and that. I'm like, Let's look at it from the other side. Is that breaking their bodies down? Or is that actually preparing their bodies for the postseason? That's the same reason like we talked about with the rookies and with Chet and with um with Paolo and everything a few months ago. Play those guys in the preseason. Play those guys in the summer league. You know why? Because they're not accustomed to this NBA schedule. They need to get used to it. You don't want to force... You don't want to force them to get used to it starting around Halloween and then they're injured by Thanksgiving because then you've wasted your investment. <laughs> so that to me is why I'm like, no, y'all need to play. Y'all need you, you need to play. And if you don't play, I don't think you deserve any awards slash rewards. You don't deserve to get paid extra for something when you're not doing what you're supposed to do to get the paycheck you've signed up for. That's now, how I feel about it. Now here, here's here's something I just thought of. Mm -hmm. Are you surprised that they went with the 65 game minimum versus making it a 65 game season? I'm surprised that they had they didn't no. they didn't bring up short. I'm, I'm surprised I'm... that 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 didn't happen. Actually. I'm I'm not surprised, and I think we've kind of discussed the reason why in the past a little bit. The reason that I'm not surprised that they didn't talk about just shortening the season instead is for two reasons. One, we've already said it before, the NBA is a business. More games equals more money. Exactly. You know, cue, cue the DiBiase. Um, now... <laughs> Reason wrong, number wrong, reason wrong, number wrong wrong, wrong thing. <laughs> Re reason number two that I'm not surprised is because let's both be realistic, and I'm I'm sure you'll agree with me on this. Let's say that the new CBA says that starting next season, they're gonna drop the season from 82 games to 65, right? Mm -hmm. How many guys in the league are gonna play 65 games? If you shorten it to 65 games. Kawhi is only playing 48. <laughs> if you shorten it to 50, Kyrie's only playing 36. Or not Kyrie, I'm sorry, Kawhi. Like Kawhi's Kawhi's only playing 36. So if you to me, if you shorten the season, then it's just gonna further minimize the games that those guys feel like they have to play. I think by leaving it where it is and putting a minimum on them, just like you said, combined with the fact that they have incentives in their contracts. The league is taking advantage of what they have, these guys that have signed on the bottom line and they're supposed to be playing these games. Now you're putting them in a position where if they don't play it, you're shooting yourself in the foot. It makes me it makes me wonder too. I think I don't know if this would change anything, but I could see an avenue where it would. If you were to shorten the season, would that mean that some of these contracts wouldn't be so big? 
Well, like, I feel I like I feel like it'd still be there, but I mean, I feel like I feel like in that case, though, that would also even that would take some time, though, because let's mm-hmm. say like if they were to shorten the season starting next season, mm-hmm. you still have guys that just recently signed contracts for the next four or five years that are over two hundred million dollars. So that money is still tied up for at least the next four or five years. So I think that's another reason why they still wouldn't do it right away. Like it would have to be something that maybe they would start discussing now to possibly take effect after the next CBA in like six, seven years. Yeah. I, it, it I would... think, yeah, like, I think one thing with that, I think you could have, I think one thing that they probably, I don't know if they, if they've ever like put, brought this to the table, but you know, you talk about all these contracts where guys are getting paid, but then like, they're not even honoring their contracts. Like people are signing right. these contracts and then they're gone by two years into it. Right. As soon as, soon as the pins rise, they're like, trade me fool. Right. And so <laughs> I, I would think that the owners would try to protect themselves a little more and have more, have less guaranteed money tied in to mm. where it's all incentives and it's all like benchmarks that you have to hit in order to get the money that, that they're willing to pay you. Mm. Um, I mean, and think about it. I mean, given, given how player movement has worked, players not working out with teams, players changing teams. Like if I'm, if I'm the owner, that's how I get my power back because it right now the players are running it and it, it is a player driven league. But at the same time, if you're going to be paying a guy, 40 something million dollars a year you want them to play you know as many games if if, and and if and if you don't if things don't work out you dip or you you request a trade you know two with four years left on your deal like talking to ukd right and and like you you can't you can't as an owner sit there and just keep letting that happen so i i would i'm i'd be surprised I I would be interested to see if if that ever becomes a thing where they're like, look, we're not gonna have as much guaranteed money. It's gonna be probably more incentive laden, just so um, we we ensure that you actually play for us for more of this contract than you would otherwise. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I. I... Like it's just interesting, just because there's so much money being thrown around, and with the TV deals, with all the revenue the teams are generating, like you have to wonder, okay, like if we're if we're making this investment, we need to be able to protect ourselves on the back end to where like we're not gonna cut you this check, and then like you want out after year one, right? And then like we're still on the hook for that while you go play for another team. I, I got to deal with that. Like that's that's a little rough. I, I think I think with the whole like player empowerment that we have going on, mm-hmm. I think the biggest reason that something like that isn't going to change is because the PA side, the the play the players association side, they're never going to agree to anything like that. Right. So I think that's that's going to be the big problem behind it. I don't even think it would be the league. I think of course the league would be in favor because you're affecting their money, right. but the players are going to be like, no, 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 you can't tell me I can't do this. So I, I think they, if it, they have a bigger part of the, the, the split anyway, right? Like, def, I think, is, isn't definitely. it like 51 49 or on their, on their behalf, I believe. Right, yeah. Right. And so there, it wasn't always that way. And that's like I say, yeah, another, another big reason that that's not going to change. Like the player, the players right now have too much power. It It's not, it it's not. And I don't even mean too much as in saying they shouldn't have it. I mean, 
they have too much right now for the league to think that they're going to be able to do anything to change it right away. So no, I don't, I don't see, I don't see that going anywhere, but very, very long wraparound way to say that I, I don't think that the 82 games are going away anytime soon. And, and it's mainly for that reason. If all of that money is invested, I'm not about to shorten the season when I can't shorten the money and you end up making even more money for even less work. So I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see them shortening the season anytime soon. Yeah. I am interested to see how the in season tournament works out. Cause I know what, uh, what the winning team, like the players get half a million dollars, which I think it seems, yeah, it seems pretty, it seems pretty cool the way that it's set up so far. It just looking at some of the logistics of it, it's, it looks a lot to me like, um, almost like the commissioner's cup in the, in the WNBA, which I feel like has worked really well in the dub. So I, I think, I think it's going to be pretty cool to see, like I said, y'all we'll, we'll go into a little more detail about that, but we have something very important that we want to get to in a minute. I gotta, I gotta give my homie his time. So we, we going to go ahead and wrap up this CBA talk. Um, but no, I, I think, I think the end season tournament is actually going to be pretty cool to see. I, I'm, I'm excited to see, exactly how it goes down like i've seen a few of the things like you know you're gonna be put into like random pools i guess like within your conference it might not necessarily be within your division which i think is dope i i'm i'm just i'm interested to see how that's gonna go and hopefully we can see it as early as next season that'll give us something to talk about next season on the jwj podcast y'all make sure y'all go listen on spotify anchor apple podcast you know overcast all the goods um follow us on twitter instagram facebook you can even email us at the jwj podcast at gmail.com um and if you email us one big thing that i want to make sure we get you guys opinion on (laughs) because i know we're definitely about to get a big opinion from one of the hosts of this podcast and it ain't me um I want to quickly rewind before I turn this microphone over to my boy. We're we're going to go back to February just before the trade deadline. Um big trade went down. Names like Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith um made a transition from Dallas, Texas to Brooklyn, New York and a name that has brought along quite the controversy in the past few years, a Mr. Kyrie Irving was sent to the Mavericks in return, among other things. We don't have to go into the full details of the trade right now because that's kind of irrelevant. Um, But since the trade, you know, a lot of, a lot of naysayers, a lot of doubters wanted to give their opinions. Look, I'm going to admit If you go listen, I was one of the doubters. Now, at no point, and I feel like I feel like Shane can vouch for me on this. At at no point did I deny that Kyrie could do the job. It was a question of whether or not he would be available to do the job. And I will stand here and say that from the time he got there, I am pleasantly surprised with the amount of effort that I've seen him put in, in in that in that uniform. He he's done a hell of a job. So kudos to him. He's turning heads. People are paying attention. But I feel like there's a lot of other things that are kind of questionable in the moment. 
and it's not my place to go into too much detail on those because I would be taking away from my boy and out of respect for him, I need to give him the floor. So guys, what's going to go on right now, we're about to let Mr. Shane Thomas essentially, um, you know, we always make wrestling references, so I'm going to make another one. Ah, from the little bit of, from the little bit of what I heard about this, it's about time for, um, I feel like I need to pull one of these belts down off the shelf up here because Shane, Shane is over there starting to kind of look like CM Punk. And, um, I think Dallas is about to catch a pipe bomb. If you know, you know, um, Shane, the floor is yours. Just make sure that it's not lava, because once we're done, I do still need to be able to make it upstairs to go to bed. Um, Do what you do, my dude. And I'm going to sit back and find my other bag of popcorn. All right. So, boom. <laughs> so, as y'all know, <laughs> as y'all know, what was that? What? Friday night? So, Friday night, Dallas plays Chicago. One, There's only like, Counting that game, only two games left in the regular season for the Mavericks. Um, they had a 13-point lead at half, and they blew it. Or Well, they didn't blow it. They gave it away. But uh, they ended up losing 115-112. Now, before that game, a rash of players were being held out. No Kyrie. Uh, no Josh Green. No Maxi Cleaver. No Christian Wood. Like, you know any any player that's worth a damn on the team. So, Luca did play because it was Slovenia night and he's like, you know, the the most popular Slovenian in the world at this point probably. And so he played a quarter in a few maybe a couple minutes of maybe like 1 minute of the second quarter and then he checked out. You know, second half he came back out in a tracksuit and sat on the bench. Whatever. So, with the loss Dallas fell to 38 and 43. They were officially eliminated from the playoff. Now, why is this a big deal? They won 52 games last year, 52 and 30. They made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Like, they had every reason to be, like, proud of, of where they got to and the future of their team going forward. And then... Right when the team is about to have some success, they mess it up. And this is how they messed it up. If you remember that playoff run, Luca wasn't even available for the start of that playoff run. He was nursing, he was nursing a strained calf. He was out. Now, the person that carried it was Jalen Brunson, and he's wearing blue and orange right now playing in MSG. Now, he was drafted, what, 30, what, 31st or 33rd overall in 2018. I think it might have been 31. Luca was, what, third pick in that draft. So, they're on the same team. They're rookies. Luca becomes Luca, and Jalen Brunson low-key becomes one of, at the time, he was probably one of the best backup point guards in the league. And you you could see his his growth each year. Same thing with Luca. You could see them you could see them on the same path and progressing. Now, 
because Jalen Brunson was a second round pick, they had to sign him to a deal and he was in, he would end up being restricted, you know, at the end of that. Now it's one of those deals where, or unrestricted. So he comes up for free agency. Now we get up to, to last year and you know, Dallas had, they had the leverage. They had just given last year, they gave Dorian Finney-Smith four-year, $55 million extension. He had deserved it. Had, had gotten better every year. Points per game, three-point percentage increased literally every year he had been in the NBA. So he deserved that. Shout out to Doe for getting paid. Now, JB was eligible for the same, roughly the same money, the same years for the extension. Did they offer it? Hell no, they didn't. They didn't offer a damn thing to Jalen Brunson. They wanted to play in his face and make him available in a trade. That didn't even happen. Luka gets hurt, and then guess who steps up and becomes like the dude while Luka's out? It's Jalen Brunson. Dude was averaging like 20-something points a game in the starting lineup. He literally saved their season along with all the role players playing better. And the defense basically morphed and they became a top 10 defense almost overnight. Who would think that they would ship out Kristaps Porzingis, bring in Spencer Dinwiddie, and suddenly the team is on fire defensively? Nobody saw that coming. I didn't see it coming. Nobody saw it coming. They thought, if anything, the most I saw was they felt like it may have made us a better team addition by subtraction a little bit but we would definitely struggle defensively. Well, guess what? We didn't struggle defensively. We thrived defensively because suddenly we were smaller, but we were switchable. It, it Jason Kidd's defensive philosophy really came to fruition. A lot of trapping, you know, you know, the defense he likes to play, a lot of switching, that kind of thing. So, you know, we're looking at that. And Jalen Brunson who was there the same time that Luca was saw, saw his role increase and he proved his worth to the team that he could carry this while Luca was out. And how does, how does he get, how does he get celebrated? They don't even offer him a damn extension. Y'all could have had him for a bargain four years and 57, that extension, a bargain. Right then, and and I'll I'll give I'll give the front office a little bit of credit because they didn't really have like concrete proof that this was something they should do. The, the previous playoff series against the Clippers, JB was played off the floor. He didn't play well. Didn't have a good series. Luca was Luca, but he didn't really have any help. And that was on Jalen Brunson, who used that as fuel for his breakout. And ultimately led to what we see now in New York. But you should have offered him the extension. You gave it to Finney Smith. You should have just went ahead and took care of JB while you had the chance. You should have done that because I'll get to the reason why you should have done that in a second. So has a 40 point, has a 41 point playoff game, multiple double digit games. Rock solid, steady, because that is, if you look up whatever solid, consistent, steady in the dictionary, you'll probably see Jalen Brunson, because that is what he is. He's been, he's been a winner. He's been a leader everywhere he's been. 
multiple national titles, national player of the year. Dude gets it done. And you had him with a generational guy like Luca. Now, push comes to shove. Everybody was saying the right things when the playoff run was happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll pay him whatever he wants. B.S. B.S. Because when push came to shove, guess what? He got he got his stuff together and he pushed somewhere else. New York came with the deal. Five years and, you know, whatever, four years, 100 and something million, 120, whatever it was. And Dallas, like we've done so many times, is left holding the bag, wondering what happened. I'll tell you what happened. Mark Cuban got stupid and decided we're not going to give this dude an extension. And then when another team comes with a deal, he's like, oh, well, I ain't paying that. But then recently he comes out and, oh, they never gave us a number. There was a number. It was four years and 57 that you had. The ball was in your court. You should have done it. You can't sit here. It's like, it's like you, you, it's like you get with a girl, right? You don't, you, you, you're courting her, right? Like she, she's treating you good and all this, you know, y'all might even hook up, whatever. Right. And then she hits you with the question. What are we? And then you, you know, if you really want to be with her, then, you know, you'll, you'll proceed. What are we? I guess we're a couple. And then it becomes a thing, right? Basically, they said, eh, I don't know. It's like I, I want to take it slow. I don't know. I want to. I want to. I want to see. Want to? You know, take it slow. I'm just chilling right now. That's basically what they did with Jalen Bronson. So they didn't take him seriously, despite the fact that, you know, going back to my my dating analogy, I'm like, look, you you've seen the person naked. Y'all done done it. Y'all done hooked up multiple times. Y'all holding hands. Y'all spend time listening to music and kissing and everything else, right? Everything is great. But then when they say, well, what are we? And you can't commit. But then you're going to get mad or you're salty when another, another person comes up. They might have a little better job than you do. They got a little more opportunity. Yeah, you're you're the meme where the dude's walking with the girl and he turns around and he's checking out the other person's ass. Like, yeah. That was basically it. Like, Dallas was the girl holding the dude by the shoulder, and he was looking at the Knicks like hey, they offering something here that that I'm not gonna get here. Despite the fact. <laughs> Despite the fact that Dallas could have offered, they could have went over their salary cap to sign him to whatever the number would be. They didn't take him seriously, despite the fact that he had proven himself time and time again. Like, yeah, he had a bad playoff series, but I mean, we've seen that in the past. Guys, Dirk, Dirk in 07, MVP of the league, one of the worst playoff series he's ever played in his life. Y'all, y'all believed in Dirk. I mean, granted, it's Dirk, but still. This is, this is the same situation that has set up this very moment that we're talking about. You did it to Steve Nash in 04. Steve Nash was 30. 
him and Dirk were like one of the top duels in the league. You didn't believe that he could he could make it happen, and then he goes and wins two MVPs. <laughs> Jalen Brunson ain't even ain't even thirty, and y'all said eh, we we good on that, despite the fact that he was a non Luca Maverick that scored forty points in a playoff game and and was carrying it double digits in in multiple games and showed his worth in tight situations when it when it mattered. So you let him walk. The only thing we really did in the offseason, we we got we got Christian Wood back. You know, we you know, we re-signed Frank Nilakina. <laughs> we re-signed Theo Penson, who's more than a podcaster, by the way. Shout out to Theo, shout out to the Tar Heels. I love Theo Penson. But you you made it a point to re-sign him. We got Christian Wood in a draft in a in a pre-draft trade, and thinking, okay, like Christian Wood's familiar with the team. He had played summer league for us in the past. He had bounced around the league, and we got him from the Houston Rockets. Now, we signed Javale McGee, and we did another stupid thing. We took Javale McGee now, who was playing for Phoenix, who we famously destroyed. <laughs> played him off the floor when he was with Phoenix. He couldn't play. And then we go and give him a three-year deal and say, we're going to promise you a starting spot. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? So we do that. Christian Wood comes in. We're like, okay, like, we finally got a big that's got some offensive punch. Like, he's going to come in and 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 help, help carry this thing. Give Lucas some, Luca some help, right? Wrong. We get to the we get to the season. Dwight Powell, who's the starting center, is a DNP CD. JaVale starts the first few games, and he is atrocious. Every bit as trash as he as he was when he when he was playing for Phoenix and we played them off the court. Dwight gets the job back. Christian Wood, for some reason, him and Kid don't jive, mainly because I think Christian Wood just has that stink on him from playing on losing teams and being the empty numbers guy. You know, empty stats. I might have had 20 and 10, but we lost by like 30. We we won 15 games, but I, I averaged a double-double. And that's fair. He hadn't, he hadn't contributed to winning teams. That's okay. I'm sure Kid wanted to see more from him defensively. But given his strengths offensively and his length and everything else, he, he definitely has a role on this team. Now, it seems like him and Jay Kidd aren't going to click, so we may not even see Christian Wood in Dallas after this. But fast forward to now, they missed the playoff. Jalen Brunson had 48 points in the game recently, by the way. The same Jalen Brunson that should be on this team now if they had played their cards right, but okay. But at the trade deadline, we took – our second leading scorer at the time, I think it was, I think Spencer Dinwiddie was our, our second leading scorer. I think he was averaging like 16 a game. And Dorian Finney-Smith, who we had signed to an extension, he was beloved. He was our top defender. Ship those guys out, and we bring in Mr. Flat Earth Kyrie. We bring him in, right? Now, I'm going to just go ahead and, and preface this by saying I think Kyrie is an amazing player. He is awesome. There's things that dude does on the basketball court that people can only dream of. 
Like he's electric and he is a hell of a watch. But you're talking about bringing this guy in to play with Luka Doncic, a ball dominant guy that takes a lot of shots and he puts up a lot of numbers for Dallas. And you're taking the ball out of his hands a little bit to give it to Kyrie. And you're saying, okay, y'all, you guys make it work. You coexist. It was a bold move, a move. I wasn't sure that Dallas would was capable of making, but the problem is, is two ball dominant guys. Now, it took me a while because it, it it hadn't clicked. They played the first couple games without the two together because I think Luca wasn't playing yet. Whatever, he was out with an injury, and you know he looked pretty good the first couple games. I think they won their first two games after the trade, and they played faster. Defense was spotty, which was to be expected. I didn't expect us. We were we were a terrible defensive team before that. I didn't expect us to be better defensively, but I expected the offense to flow a little, little bit freer. It did. Everybody was moving. There was ball movement, player movement. Team played pretty well. Luca comes back to the lineup. They start losing. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, okay, this is going to take some time. Luca's passing up wide open shots because he he's forgotten how to play basketball off the ball. Like, if he doesn't have the ball, he doesn't know what the hell to do understandable i mean you know if i was if i was getting 60 point triple doubles and suddenly they were like eh, we'll put you off the ball i don't know if i i don't know if i'd know what the hell to do either but i mean you know it shouldn't be that hard you know if you're open shoot the damn ball but whatever you know that's just my thought on it i, I figured you know if you're open shoot it i don't, I don't know if you want to pass up open shots but you know it's luca whatever love that guy right so The Kyrie trade last 20 games. I don't think he's going to play again this year for this last game or whatever. So in 20 games, Kyrie averaged 27 points, six rebounds, five assists, or six assists, five rebounds a game. Check out these shooting percentages. 51% from the field. 39% from three. 95% from the foul line. 94.7, I think it is. But we're going to round that off to 95. So 50, 40, 90, 50, 40, 95, roughly, in 20 games. They only, I think they only got like eight wins with Kyrie in uniform playing on this team in 20 games that he's played. You know why it doesn't work? Jalen Brunson. Now, you, you, might, you might hear that and you go, what the hell are you talking about? Jalen Brunson's with the Knicks. Here's what I mean. This is why. This is why the Kyrie Luka thing isn't working the way it should. If you know Jalen Brunson, you watch Jalen Brunson play. He's quick, right? He can score. He's crafty. He gets the ball. He gets the ball to his spots and he can execute, right? He can play. He can finish in amongst the trees. He plays at his own pace. You know, he's never in a hurry. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Luka plays that way. You know, he plays in bursts, you know, doesn't. He, he does he's not overly quick, but he gets to his spots. He can do whatever he does. He plays at his own pace. Everybody marvels at it, right? Well, you got Kyrie and he plays at his own pace, which is fast. He wants to get up and down and move and cut and do things. Luca wants to walk the ball up the court and back you down and then take a step back or whatever. So in short, 
Kyrie and Luca don't fit because Kyrie wants to push the pace and Luca wants to pull back. Did we have that problem with Jalen Brunson? Hell no. We didn't have that problem. You know why? Because they they the, the way they play is more conducive to their individual styles. JB can play off the ball. He can initiate. He can lead. He has no problem deferring. Luca, if Luca's having one of his games where he's off and he's not focused, JB can step up and take it over. You got rid of that guy, and guess what? It tanked your team. You know why? Because after that Western Conference Finals run, every role player to get to that point, every role player was peaking. Maxi Kleba had an eight three pointer game or something like that. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith had like an eight three-pointer game. Like guys that had been hibernating most of the year suddenly became like they they were turning back the clock. Reggie Bullock was playing 40 minutes a night. Dorian was playing 41 minutes a night. Like all the role players that were getting minutes were peaking. And then this year, you're expecting those same guys to maintain that level. And did they? Hell no. All of them regressed. Dorian started getting hurt. He wasn't shooting the ball. He wasn't scoring at the same clip. He 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 signed his extension, and then that's when he started to regress. I love Dorian, but that's what happened. Reggie Bullock did his Reggie Bullock thing. He didn't start making shots consistently until February. Tim Hardaway Jr. has always been inconsistent. But he had missed the playoffs last year because he had broke his foot. But let let the Mavs tell it. They pitched everybody in the offseason. Oh, this is another start. It's like getting a starter back. It's like a free agency hire. Well, guess what? That doesn't make up for the fact you didn't sign no damn body. You didn't do that. So whatever, you make your bed, you lie in it. Now, after the trade, like I said, they they shipped out Dinwiddie, who I love. He's one of my favorite, favorite guys in the league. Love watching Spencer Dinwiddie play. Doesn't move the needle for you defensively. You moved him. But he was a big guard that could handle his own. Dorian was your top defender. You get rid of that guy. You didn't bring in no defensive personnel whatsoever. Markeith Morris ain't played any hardly. He was the only guy that came back in that trade. So you basically said, all right, we're going to make this move, but then we don't even have a roster that sustains the move we made. If you look around the league, this is the worst supporting cast for a superstar in the league. Especially the team coming off a Western Conference Finals. The roster is cheeks. It's awful. Dwight Powell, I love Dwight Powell. Kudos to him for coming back from an Achilles tear and still having his bounce, but he's not a starting center in the NBA. I love Maxi Kleber, but if he's not hitting threes, he's out there for defense, and that's it. He can be played off the floor, too, even though he's an elite defensive player at the, at, as a big. He's switchable. He's the only switchable big we got. JaVale McGee, he can give you something in spurts, but that's not what you signed him for. You actually promised this man a starting job in 2022. That That's some boneheaded crap right there. You, you, you took a dude that was – you played off the floor and said, we're going to promise – we ain't gonna let you earn it. We're gonna promise you a job. We we know you can't guard out in space, but we're gonna we're gonna promise you a starting job. And this was his second go round with the team, by the way. 
So I say that to say this. The question becomes, okay, well, who do you blame? Well, the roster is terrible. Start there. They can't rebound. They don't defend. It, it goes hand in hand. If you can't guard, if you if you can't guard already, you're at a disadvantage. But if you can't rebound, oh, you're screwed. <laughs> you're screwed. So terrible rebounding team, awful defense. And then, you know, you got to start with the best player, right? So there's Luka. All NBA, you know, the accolades are there. But he's part of that lack of defense because he spends most of his time bitching at the refs. He spends most of his time complaining. And he's a great player, but a lot of times he's too busy complaining to get back on defense. So they're playing four on five and they're already depleted. They're already hurt on that end. His immaturity is a big reason why this season was a bust. Like, yeah, he, he averaged, you know, 30, 32 points a game. Like he had a great year, but he's at a point now, you know, in year, what year four, year five, where you have to start saying, okay, so when, when, when's the winning coming? Because he's made it to the playoffs. He's shown that he's a, he's an all-time great playoff performer. He's shown that he can help lead the team deep. But now it's taking that next step and being a contender and being a champion. And I think in order to get to that next step, he's got to grow up and he's got to be more committed. He's got to have the desire to do those things. You know? Like, why are we still talking about him complaining to the refs and he's in his fourth year, fifth year, you know? Like, we shouldn't have we shouldn't have to keep having that argument. We shouldn't have to keep having that talk. Like, oh, he needs to learn to leave the refs alone. He knows that better than anybody, but he can't stop. Like, his free throw shooting is up and down. Him shooting 74% from the foul line, okay, that's cool. But, I mean, with the stroke he has, why isn't he shooting above 80? You know, like, we we don't really hear a whole lot of stories about how he's the first in the gym and the last to leave. We don't hear those stories about Luca, But we know he's great, right? But we always hear about how uh, he's fat, he's out of shape, he's coming into the league, he's coming into the season out of shape. That's a commitment thing. Look at LeBron James. Everybody talks about you don't make it to where LeBron is playing at the level he is without being committed. That's 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 Luca's idol. The most committed athlete to his body I think we've ever seen. You don't make it to age 38, year 20 without being committed and and being able to to dedicate your body to the grind. That's with all the mileage, all the extra basketball he's played. So Luca has to look in the mirror and say, look, like in order for me to get to this level, I'm going to have to change something. This is what, this is the conversation he should have with himself. Bro, 52 wins last year. Now we ain't going to crack 40. That's embarrassing, and they should be ashamed of themselves. 
Mark Cuban, he spoke, he he claims he's just the owner. We hired Nico Harrison as as the general manager. Mark Cuban's the general manager. He's basically Jerry Jones. He owns the team, but he wants to call the shots too. I don't know if that I don't know if that's the answer. We already made we already made probably the biggest mistake of Luca's tenure here by letting letting the best running mate he could have possibly had walk for nothing. And then all we get is JaVale McGee and Frank Nielakina. That's what we get. Right? We get Christian Wood, and then y'all don't even know if y'all really want to commit to actually playing him like a real NBA player at this point. But it's gonna it's gonna begin and end with Luca until he decides if he want if he he says he wants to win a championship. Well, you can't have that life until you put in that work. You have to commit to that. That means you can't show up to camp twenty pounds overweight, thirty pounds overweight. You show up to camp at two sixty when your playing weight is two thirty. He's fat. Yeah. You can't show up to camp looking like Samoa Joe and then expect it to work out. Well, he plays in Texas. You can't show up looking like Dusty Rhodes. You can't do that. Oh, you ain't going to talk about me like that, baby. The American dream, Dusty Rhodes, baby. That's what they ain't going to do. You ain't going to talk about me like that. You catch a biotic elbow. I got a question for you, though, Shane. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, while we're on this, and I mean, you touched on it a little bit. And we we kind of talked about it earlier. I gotta ask this question, and I gotta get your honest opinion. Okay. So, so what we talked about earlier, um, New York is looking to try to get this pick this summer from Dallas. Mm-hmm. Currently, the pick is top ten protected in favor of Dallas. Now, for fans that, you know, listeners that might not quite understand what that means, let me quickly explain it. Dallas has a pick that is top 10 protected. What that means is due to an exchange with Dallas. Now, was this from the Porzingis trade chain? Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. That's, that's what I thought. So, so when Porzingis was traded, Dallas has the rights to this pick. That is what they call top 10 protected. What that means is that in the draft this summer, if the draft lottery comes around and Dallas ends up getting the rights to choose between number one and number 10, Dallas gets to hold on to that pick and they'll worry about getting it to New York later. When the lottery comes around, if it falls anywhere between, because as you know, you know, it's a little funky now with the play in and all that crap. But as you know, the lottery typically extends from the worst team to what you would say, number 14. So team number 14, if that pick ends up falling outside of the top 10, meaning if it's 11, 12, 13 or 14, Dallas loses that pick. And it becomes the right of New York. Here's where my question comes in, Shane, and I already know you know exactly where I'm going with this. Now, as recently as a week ago, Dallas was very much in the running to at least make the play in. And it looked like the team was fighting to try to get there. We talked about it earlier. They had the game that they won. It wasn't 
it wasn't the Bulls game. They had just well, who was it that they beat when Kyrie went off where he hit that like rainbow from the corner? Um, it I want to say it was the game right before Chicago. Um, um but yeah. So anyway, yeah. So so Dallas wins that game, keeps them in the running. You know they're going back and forth with um with with Oklahoma City to try to see who's going to clinch that ten spot to get into the play in to either get bounced in the first game of the play in or possibly lose in the second game of the play either way it, whatever it so was, it was the kings it was the there kings. you go it was sacramento there you go so um sacramento coming up a lot in this conversation so um so <laughs> dallas wins this game and it was an impressive game like i said kyrie went off kyrie looked like vintage Kyrie which I feel like it's so weird to say vintage Kyrie right now it feels like he's really only been in the league for like five minutes but you Kyrie goes off Kyrie looks amazing and Dallas fans and NBA fans alike are like oh man Dallas is on the run they they might make something out of this then we turn around and have the Chicago game and we're sitting here and all of these guys are sitting so my question to you, and I just, I would love to get your opinion on this. At what point, if you're in the front office, do you make a decision between the two? Because it literally looked like at one point you're fighting for the play-in and the team is fighting for the play-in. Less than a week later, you're sitting all of these guys and it's obvious the reason you're doing it is because you want to hold on to that possible top 10 pick. But you've known that you had this top 10 pick for years. So why is it that you wait until the last handful of games in the season to suddenly be like, you know, we could have lost these games for the, you know, I don't like saying that T word. We, we could have gone out of our way to lose these games for the last few weeks to strengthen and improve our chances of keeping this top 10 spot. Mm -hmm. But what we're going to do is we're going to wait until we are literally right there at the end. And then we're going to start sitting guys, which outright decreases the chances of us holding on to that top 10 pick. So not only are we trying to kill our chances of keeping this top 10 pick, we're also purposely eliminating the chance of us getting into the play-in. So we are purposely buying VIP tickets to NBA purgatory right now. We're not in heaven. We're not in hell. We're somewhere in between right there on the bridge where we can look over to the left or to the right and see the good and the bad or the bad or the good, whichever way you want to look and whichever way you want to see it. Shane, what the hell does this mean? Why? In your opinion, why would the front I, office in Dallas make a decision like this so late in the season? It honestly blows my mind. I, I just I, I, I don't get that, it. it. It doesn't make sense because I'm like, it, this was a team you're talking, okay, are they gonna make play in, right? Mm -hmm. They literally lost like seven of eight. Like and they were still in it though. Like, like, check this out. Okay, so March fifteenth, March seventeenth. I mean, they had they had games that just bad losses. So they beat they beat San Antonio, and I'm like, did our church league team could beat them? 
And then they edged the Lakers on the Maxi Kleba three on St. Patrick's Day. The ironic, then after that, the, the ironic thing, weren't weren't you guys the Spurs? Uh, yeah, we in the were, church league, but I you guys, you guys were the Spurs. That. That. that was weird. We were the Spurs. Yeah, but oh man, I've already after beating LA, lose to Memphis by four, lose to Golden State by two. You lose to the Hornets twice. That was the killer. That the, like dropping dropping those two Hornets twice. Dro- dropping those two, and it was in the same weekend. Right, it, it was because it was like a, it was basically a home. It was a home and away. Yeah, it was like a home and a home and away like that. And yeah, that yeah. Then, losing then, losing those then it just losing gets, those it just two gets to, more puzzling. Losing those two go, to Charlotte was a killer. Yeah, twice, and then you yeah. go, you beat Indiana because it's Indiana. You beat hmm. them by twenty three. Then you lose to Philly, lose to Miami, lose to Atlanta, and then you beat the Kings. So my thing is, if you were gonna tank it, I guess that was the stretch. You didn't even have to rest anybody. You're like, shit, we suck already. We don't even have to leave. We don't even have to leave nobody off. We can just play it like it is and just lose organically. Yeah. My and, and and I mean, to, to, while that does kind of make sense, like it's, it's like it, it's like basically after that, what's going on with me is the way that that stretch went. Yeah. Soon as y'all soon soon as y'all come out and beat Sacramento, I'm going in the ring. I'm in the ring. Look, I got wrestling on the TV. Sorry. (laughs) As soon as y'all beat Sacramento, I'm going in the locker room, and everybody on that roster is catching a clothesline from hell. Yeah. Because I don't be like, like, what do y'all think? What what do y'all think we're doing? Right. And see, my whole thing is, I'm like, look, this is the first time I can say, as a fan of a team that I, as a fan of the Mavericks since 2002, this is the first time I'm like, look, I don't, I didn't want to see this team make the play in. Mm-hmm. They didn't deserve it. This team was terrible. If you lose to the Hornets twice, you, you should probably be kicked out the league. <laughs> but no, you lost to them back to back. Yeah. Back to back. back they don't even, they don't even back. have their best players. They were missing starters in this game. You lost to them twice. You letting Dennis Smith Jr., who y'all gave up on after Luka's rookie year, go out and torch you. Was that fair? Probably not. But whatever. Hmm. You know where his replacement is? In New York. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) Anyway. So, yeah, you lose to the Hornets twice. You don't deserve a damn thing. But – Oh, you didn't know? You turn around and yeah. That was that was it. Like they they were still thinking that they were going for the play in, but you're out here losing to the Hornets back to back. It was over every, then. Every every time every time I hear back to back, I get sad because that's what that's what Kobe was saying at the end of the, the first back to back with Shaq. Back to back to back. R.I.P. R.I.P. Mama. But like they were, they they didn't have to tank. The decision was made for them because, for one, it's not a roster built to contend. Defense is terrible. Rebounding is terrible. Um, that's why I don't think they should have been in the play. And I'm glad they're not. This is the first time I can say, as a Mavericks fan, I am glad that we don't have to see this team in the postseason. You know why? <laughs> because it would be an embarrassment to all of us as Mavs fans. An embarrassment. 
You know why? Because this team is trash. <laughs> it's a bad roster. It's super flawed. Nobody wants to defend. The best player is already checked out. I'm sure he's got one foot on the beach too. Hmm. Matter of fact, they gave them dudes a night off. They're probably already in Cancun or whatever. One, two, three, Cancun. So we here we are. So now you got you a go? whole off. You got an extended off season that you shouldn't have had in the first place. You want to go see well, if we can. You want to go see if we can uh, get some jerseys and get in the season finale. Man, look. Hey, I mean, hey, we're we're almost at that age. I mean, I'm actually over the age at this point. We could we could pull an Andre Ingram. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if y'all maybe. if y'all don't if y'all don't know if y'all don't know who Andre Ingram is, go do your research. We we would be playing if if we did get signed up, we get to play we get to play against the Spurs, which I think we might do pretty good in that game. I'm with it because they could guard it. a bank with a machine gun, but I'm with you know, it. whatever. Leg it. So like now you look at the Mavericks and you say, okay, where do you go from here? Well, for one, you go on vacation because you ain't gonna be, <laughs> ain't gonna be playing. <laughs> so everybody gets to step away and decompress after this hellish season. That never went anywhere because they ran Luca into the ground. And then by the time you're trying to make a run, dudes already depleted and banged up and hurt. So the team, I feel like they failed Luca from a roster standpoint. And then Luca failed them by a lack of commitment standpoint. Mm. They failed each other. He's when bad. everybody talks about it in narrative, they, they they'll say, oh, well, who do you blame? Whose fault is it? Blame the fat guy. Oh, sorry. I, and and I, the thing is, it's like you can't really put it on Luca because he's the best player on the team and he's carried it. He's the only reason the team is relevant. You bring in Kyrie, but then they don't they don't really solve each other's problems. Like it's not a it's not a good defensive team. Because so, they're, they're, I was gonna say because they're the same player, which is right. what like one which guy is what, which is thirty two, the other which, guy was getting twenty seven. Yeah, it's like is, they held up their part of the bargain. Which is when, which is what we said, which is exactly what we said on the episode when the trade went down. And that's right. and that was one of the things I told you was going to be their downfall. I'm right. like I'm like Dallas got rid of so much defense and brought in basically a Luca clone. Right. Or or because or because or because or because Kyrie was in the league first, I guess we could say a Kyrie clone. Uh, and see, that, the thing is, I can't, like, you know it's bad. And this is no knock on my guy, Maxi. This is no knock on the Versberg wall. Hmm. But when he's out with injury and the main thing that fans are trying to talk themselves into is, oh, we're going to, we'll, we'll start guarding when Maxi comes back. <laughs> said no other team in the league. Hmm. No other team is going to be banking on Maxi Kleber to fix their defense. But that's what that's what the front office and Mark Cuban wanted wanted us to bank on. They wanted to talk us into Maxi Kleber is going to save the season. He he did he saved us for one game. He hit that three against the Lakers. I wish we had video right now. James, James is James is flipping me the bird, but it but it's okay. I wish we had video right now. Love, love you too. Yeah, yeah, love, love, anyway. yeah, yeah. I love this. <laughs> but <laughs> now, now you go to the off season, and the biggest question now is: Is Kyrie going to stay or is he going to go? Now, we've been through this before. Do I need to say his name again? Hmm. Matter of fact, you know what? I'll go ahead and say it. Say it. It's, it's Jalen Bronson. Mm-hmm. 
you got an opportunity now. Like, think about it. There's people that won't touch Kyrie with a 10-foot pole. And it has nothing to do with, like, what he does on the court. It's, like, other stuff, right? And he's been the, he's been a model citizen with the Mavericks to this point. Like, he hasn't had any issues. He's been very open about, like, what he's thinking and what he's saying. And he's let it be known the things that he doesn't like that the media has done, right? Mark Cuban, on record, says, there's some things I thought I knew about him that I was 100% dead wrong on. Now, according to Mark Cuban, he thinks he, they got a shot to keep Kyrie. Kyrie says he's happy there. He, he's playing free. He feels good, right? To be fair, though, you know, I got to counter that and make a joke every time. Kyrie initially has said that he's been happy in every single city that he's played yeah. in so far. Yeah, but I mean... In this situation, it's like we can only go by what we're going off of. He's playing well. He, he gave us 20 games and averaged 27 over 20. So he, see, he seems to be playing happy. He's not, he's not being a distraction to the team. Everything's going good. We got every reason to believe this could work. But there's a, there's a bigger reason than saying, you know, he's probably going to end up leaving. You know why? Because Mark Cuban's money. <laughs> and I love Mark Cuban. Don't get me wrong. But this is the same guy that took the 2011 championship team and then said, you know what? We ain't running that shit back. We're going to do something else. <laughs> We're going to gut that team. And we've been in hell ever since we've made the playoffs like three, three or four times since then. Hmm. And that was 2011. And then every year after that, he told, he told Tyson Chandler to go to hell twice. Two time, two. He's time. the reason he's, he's probably the reason we won in 2011 other than Dirk. And y'all told him after that, eh, we good. He goes wins defensive player of the year with the Knicks. I'm starting to see a theme. Uh -huh. And then you bring him back <laughs> and then tell him to go to hell again after another year of production. Years later with a talented team and you told him to leave again. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. So they said, it seems crap. like every time we get anything promising, we give it away. That doesn't sound like good business. Not really. So is Kyrie going to stay? I hope so. If not, okay. They got cap space. I, I just, something. The, the thing, the thing here. And now if we take Brooklyn, mm -hmm. I mean, so we got 30 teams. We take Brooklyn. We take, Boston, we take Cleveland, and let's just say we also go ahead and take Dallas out of the equation, too. You got 26 teams remaining. I still feel like there's that same issue that I was bringing up back in February when the trade went down. Given the amount of money that Kyrie wants to play ball, who's going to be willing to give it to him Granted, I mean, there's still going to be those questions. You know, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It's he he showed up, and I mean, he did what we both said he would do. He showed up and he balled out. He right. he did his thing. Now, the one thing I will say that he did, where I'm not afraid to admit that I was wrong, there were no distractions. He came in and he did his job, and that was the one thing I was hoping on, honestly, because I feel like that's going to be the only thing that's going to help Kyrie repair his image. And just like you said, according to cubes, according to everybody else, you know, like he came in and he did that. Right. My only issue right now, 
is the way that Dallas looks. And when I say the way they look, I mean roster-wise. The way that Dallas looks right now, you're going to have to eventually pay Luka if you want him to stay there. Kyrie is going to want big money. And if you acquiesce to both of them, what does that mean for you trying to rebuild the rest of the roster? That, to me, is the number one reason that I I wouldn't be surprised if Kyrie's not there next season. And see, that's the thing. See, like, Luca, Luca signed – he signed the, the extension after his rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Well, he signed that, like, you know, with the year left on the rookie deal. Mm-hmm. So he's locked up for another four years, whatever. That it – And with it, Kyrie, you're saying, okay, well, we can pay him more than anybody, but we already know that – when given that option, y'all don't want to do any of that. Y'all don't want to pay. And like I said, yeah, but like I said, it's also, and I still feel like it has to be taken into consideration. If you give him all the money that he wants, what does that leave for you to try to build around right. him and Luca? Right. Like and that's see, going to eventually yeah. leave. And again, we still got to keep in mind, there's still not a guarantee with the way that this last week is going. There's still not a guarantee that you're going to be adding a top 10 pick to your roster. It's not, so, it's not, it's not a done deal. And so it, it's, it's inviting a doomsday scenario for the Mavericks where mm-hmm. not only did you miss the play in. Right. And you've been eliminated like, from the playoffs, but like you're, you, you also could go into this lottery thing and not even have your pick. The irony, the irony behind all of this, it would only be so fitting for anybody that's superstitious. Me personally, I feel like the only superstition I believe in is that it's bad luck to be superstitious. Um, but to me, the the funniest possible way that this could play out with everything that went down with, you know, like Porzingis and then everything that's gone down with Brunson and everything that's gone down with Dinwiddie and everything that's happened really with Dallas, like you said, since the title run. The funniest possible thing that could happen is say like Kyrie decides to move somewhere else Mm -hmm. and then Dallas goes to the lottery and ends up with pick 13. (laughs) That to me, it would almost be poetic. It would just be like, I can't believe this, but somehow it just feels like that was supposed to happen. Best case scenario, they win the lottery and they draft Wimby and everything's all good. Bruh. Worst case scenario is they don't even get the pick I, and then Kyrie go, bails and then nobody signs with Dallas and then yeah. And now and now it's totally time to go on record and say I feel like it would almost be unfreaking fair for Wimby to fall into a dumpster fire like Dallas right now. <laughs> like we think Luca's got it bad with the expectations on his shoulders. Could you imagine what that would mean for you already see the way that the like the NBA and all these American journalists and everything try to like crap on international players as it is. Could you imagine Wimby would retire by 21? (laughs) He'd retire by 21. He he'd be like, yo, this ain't what I signed up for. He'd be like, every single every single time I come out here and somebody scores on me, I got to hear this fat guy named Kendrick talking about somebody dropped a 27 piece. Like it, it, they, he, Wimby, Wimby would be like, I ain't got time for this. I'm out. Like Wimby would go full Shark Tank. For those reasons, I'm out. Yeah. Wimby, Wimby and 
Uh, I'm not I'm not going to fully entertain it, but Wimby in Dallas would be interesting because I mean the first angle you take is well they've had they've had success with international players in the past, and that's pretty yeah, much it. I mean, yeah. And that's I mean, to me to me that's a very shallow and that's a very like. But you got to get the pick first. That's exactly. You got to get the pick first, for you can even talk any kind of pipe dream like that. But I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna. You know. Not not to try to jinx y'all, I'm going to go ahead and say it now. The curse is going to continue, and Dallas is going to catch number 13 in the lottery. Yeah, that's probably. That's the, the but, 13, you know. is the, 13 is the unluckiest number that y'all going to get. It was also <laughs> the number Jalen Brunson wore. But anyway. That would he. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, <laughs> and Steve Nash. And Steve. Yeah. Well, the Steve, two biggest Steve. cups that Mark Cuban's ever done. Right. So, you know, whatever. But when I sit here and look at it, now you say, okay, we, we talked about Kyrie. Can he stay? Can he go? Is Luca and the Kyrie parents something that can work? I feel like it can be workable, but it's not a perfect fit. Luca would have to play more off the ball or Kyrie would have to go off the ball. It's, and you're gonna have to institute a different offense to 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 work with what those guys do. To I me, don't think it's a I don't think the your turn, my turn is is something that can sustain, especially and, and, with the fact that they play such different styles of individual ball. And in all honesty, like not even not even to be that guy, you you know sometimes I, I try I come for your team just to bust your chops, but in all seriousness, I don't think it can work. I don't. And it's it, honestly, it's for the same reasons that I said when the trade went down. I just feel like those guys are too similar. Like it, it. I just feel like it. To me, the only way it would work would almost be like some Russell Westbrook type stuff, where like you have one of them come off the bench, Danny. and it ain't no way that's gonna happen. Those guys, their styles of play are way too similar for me to me for them to coexist. And yeah, it's, it's to like me, it's not a, to me, it's have two teams. Yeah. To me, it's not a knock to me. It's not a knock on either one of them. If anything, it's actually a compliment. Like the type of game that they play would benefit so many teams, but to me, it would only benefit teams if they're on separate ones. Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like they fit well together. That that's just, that's just my personal opinion. So, I, I, I mean, think, yeah, like I, I think, you have to look at okay if if Ky if Kyrie wants to stay there, I think eventually it becomes okay. A major selling point I think Dallas would have to go is probably the one that's going to get him to walk, and that is, are you willing to re-sign for us for this number? The ir the irony that what ends up happening is that they re-sign Kyrie and they end up trading Luca. <laughs> Hey. That that would be the ultimate plot twist. I mean, at that point, I at that point, I'll be like, did Mark Cuban let, just? Hire, I'll be like, at, at that point, at that point, I would be like, did Mark Cuban just hire Vince McMahon? And, and ne never mind, <laughs> never never mind. Yeah, like they're already saying Luca could request a trade in 2024, right? Mm -hmm. My thing is, I'm like, all right. I mean, if that if that's the case, then okay, I understand why because the roster has been terrible. You think of the best rosters Luca's had. His rookie year roster was better than this one. Mm -hmm. He had he had rebound hunting 
No defense playing DeAndre Jordan. Dirk on one leg and not for the fadeaway. And, you know, JB was there. Dennis Smith Jr. was there. Harrison Barnes was there. Um, if he had that roster now, shit, they'd be in the playoffs. Hmm. <laughs> but they don't, and they aren't in the playoffs. So whatever. So now you have to look at, okay, well, what does this team need to get better? Well, for one, you got to get some competent big man. Hmm. Like, Maxi is a great backup big. He could probably even start for you in certain lineups. Shouldn't be playing high minutes. Probably shouldn't be playing more than like 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Dwight Powell shouldn't even be starting on the team. If he's going to be your backup center, cool. But you got to get somebody that's, that's good enough and does enough of the things that you need to stay on the court. That's hard to do. Like, the problems the Mavs have, like – to get a starting caliber big that can rebound and play defense, that's tough because the bigs that you would want don't do both. Like if you wanted to say, okay, let's go get a great rebounder, you could just sign Andre Drummond. But guess what? Mm-hmm. He ain't going to guard nothing. Mm-hmm. If you want to rebound him, you could sign DeMarcus Cousins. You could take a flyer on him, right? He's not right. going to be able to guard nothing. Right. You can I mean, add that's, that's kind of, I was just about to say, that's kind of the big man curse that we're dealing yeah. with nowadays. It's like right. you either have, like it's, it's, you it's either, a, you either, sword. you either have the big man that can totally close out the rim and snatch the boards anytime right. you want it, or you have the big man like a Joel Embiid <clears throat> who might not be all that solid around the board. And the reason being because they spend all their time wanting to be a guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's like you it's and it, it's, it's just it's the way of the it's the way of the league are switchable mm. yeah like the bigs are switchable but they don't do anything else like maxi's a good shot blocker and he can hit threes and and powell is a great rim roller but he doesn't rebound and he's not a good defender but he's got quick feet mm. like you need a physical presence somebody that can rebound at a decent clip and protect the paint but that's hard. That's going to be hard to do. Now you can try, you can try some funky stuff. Maybe you find a big wing that can rebound. Maybe you find a center that can give you some, some rim protection and you get the rebound in elsewhere or something, but they absolutely have to find a starting caliber big man in the NBA. They have to find it because if they don't, they're never going to get to where they want to. They need wing depth. They have no size on the wing. Right now, you're talking Josh Green at 6'5", Jaden Hardy at 6'4", Reggie Bullock playing power forward at 6'5", Luka, <clears throat> who's 6'7". You don't have a whole lot of size on the wing. Right. So you need you – need, it starts there too. You need some versatile wings that aren't just spot-up guys that camp out. Like you need some – like we talked about this at length. Paul George – I know he's not a free agent, I don't think, but Paul George would be the perfect wing for this team because he can handle the ball, he can play off the ball, and he's an elite defender. But those guys are everywhere, and, you know, it, they're everywhere and nowhere at once because everybody has one. Hmm. Or everybody that's good has one. And then you're going to be stuck with a project. But you got to try and find a big wing, like a Pascal Siakam. You know, and OG Ananobi would have been nice. You know, like a, a 
a bona fide solid big wing. You right. need that. Right. Do you resign Christian Wood? Does he want to resign there? What's the market for him? You've tanked his value. He's a good fit. I like I like what he brings offensively next to Luca because he's a he's a the irony that can shoot it. I, I got I gotta point out the irony that Christian Wood's time in Dallas has tanked his value and it all be it all came because of a coach that didn't see his value. Continue. <laughs> go go ahead. Go ahead. This is a guy that was that was averaging like 20 and, and rebounding and blocking shots when he was starting, and then you refuse to start him again. And then he becomes like a 13-minute guy off the bench. Now, I understand you want to send a message. I understand you might be trying to get through to him on another level, but he's one of the few talented players we have, and you don't want to play him. I mean, that's on the coach too. Because if, if Dwight Powell can get minutes – Hmm. and be trash and, and only play like 10 minutes and not play well and give you no rebounding or rim protection, but the one guy that's averaged a double-double in the league can't get on the court, hmm. that's a problem. I don't hmm. care because the whole team sucks defensively. Defense can't be the thing that's keeping him off the court, right? right? Like right. dudes, dude can shoot around 39 40% from three. He can give you some rebounding when you give him the minutes. And he's long enough to affect shots. Maybe not be a consistent rim protector, but he could be that. He could have played more. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, him and Kidd don't click. Now, that takes me to this, too. Does Jason Kidd even keep his damn job? He didn't do a great job this year. Now, granted, the roster was Cheeks. If he's going to be the the guy leading that roster, you kind of have to get him a roster to work with. Last year, the roster was better. Here, and a lot of guys the, um, peaked. This year, everybody sucked. So here's, here's the plot twist. Here's the plot twist, bro. They're they're gonna end up they're gonna end up dropping Jason Kidd, and you know who's gonna end up getting the job? He made you dog. There you go. I was just about to say there's a random currently unemployed coach that was seen sitting at the Laker game a few days ago. Brandon, hey, I would be I would be for uh Ime Yudoka. Just make sure you hide your wives. Hide your, hide your kids, hide your wives. Yeah, do that. Tell tell Luca, you better tell his girlfriend, stay stay away. But yeah, I, I would be okay with Ime Udoka. But Jason Kidd, like, this has been a trend everywhere he's coached. The first year, you might see some defensive improvement. The second year, the team tanks out. Like, if he's got talent to work with, I mean, we we can we know it can work, but does he have does he have the repertoire to be able to take it to another level? Can he is he a team is he a guy that elevates a team or is he a guy that can manage a team? Right. And he didn't do a good job of either one this year. Last year he did a great job. They got to the Western Conference Finals. He got them to buy into what they were doing, but this year the buy in wasn't there. The trust wasn't there. The chemistry wasn't there. That's and you know you know where that comes back to Jalen Brunson, yeah. He was he was the immaculate vibes guy. Everybody was talking about he was the one that coined the whole immaculate vibes around the team, right? But at the but at but at the end of the day, Shane, come on, we 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 gotta be real. You you know whose fault this whole thing is, man. It's Kyrie's fault, dude. Yeah, of course, yeah. It's Kyrie's fault, man. It's Kyrie. He he said he said and done everything right. 
Like he's been, he's been a model citizen. There's been no drama. Like he he's competed. He's played hurt. Like, but it's his fault though. I don't want to hear all that, man. It's Kyrie's fault. Shut up. Yeah. And see, so, and, and, and that's fault. like I said, like Cuban Cubans either got to stop thinking that he's a basketball guy and understand that he's the owner and let the basketball people do their thing. Mm-hmm. He wants to be the owner and the general manager. You see how that's worked for the Dallas Cowboys now. Hmm. So I, I think Cuban's gotta gotta get his fingers out of the bowl and let everybody else do the basketball thing. Mm-hmm. Or he's gotta get a coach in there that can that can whip the team into shape and get them to play better. But I don't know. I think I think J Kidd probably gets another year, but they got they they have to overhaul the roster. If they want Luca to stay there, they're gonna have to get a roster around him. They yeah. already got rid of his one running mate and they could probably lose the one they just acquired. Which so, was, which was idiotic, man. Yeah, like you, it, it just they you you cause more problems by overthinking the thing you should have done. Jalen right. Brunson will be an All Star next year. Book it. Should have been one this year. Should have been one this year. I, I don't care what anybody. Ooh, ooh, I didn't even want to go there. I don't care what anybody says. To me, he should have been an All Star before Julius Randle. I, I don't. I don't care. I'm sticking to it. People, I mean, not to say Julius Randle didn't deserve it, but I don't feel like he deserved it as much as Brunson. That's that's that. Yeah, you you can't you can't look at a player that perfectly fits what you want to do, and then you play in their face and don't take them seriously. You Mm -hmm. did it with Steve Nash, even though he was part of the resurgence of the Mavericks. Who knows what could have happened with him and Dirk if you kept them together? We know what happened when they split. Both guys won MVPs. One guy won a title. Dude, dude flourished once he left. Jalen Brunson is about to be an all-star because whatever. You had to do. You could have did he whatever you look, needed to do to keep him, and you didn't. Like, like I said, so as far as far as like I said, as far as I'm concerned, it might not be attached to his name yet. You say gonna be an all-star. No, nah, that dude's already an all-star. It might not, it might be, it might not be officially on his resume, but that dude's already an all-star. Right. Like, and and, th- and th- the thing that's so confusing about it, and this will be the last thing I do before we get off here. The thing that's so <laughs> the thing that's so confusing about this to me is that uh-huh. the team that won the title won because of chemistry. Yeah. So why in the hell would you fuck with that? Yeah. Why would you mess with that? Like, why would you say, okay, this guy gets along with Luca? We brought them in together. Yeah, we don't need to keep him. Right. It doesn't make sense. Dorian loved Luca. Was it probably his time to go? Sure. I'm okay with that. You told him to walk. Right. You did it with Tyson Chandler twice. He was the heart and soul of that team that won the title. You told him to leave after you just, he just, he just helped y'all get a ring and you told him, no, you brought him back. He had a good year. Y'all had a good team. And then you told him to leave. You know how hard finding the center was. Told you he was, he was the loose. He was the loose equivalent for us of a Trevor Ariza. Right. He was like, right. Oh man. We know that you were like Kobe's like go-to defender, but um, we'll see you later. Yeah, and and that and and that's the thing. Like, if you have something good, what 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 did uh what did uh Life Jennings say? You got somebody good. You got somebody good. Hold on, to you it. hold on to it. Right. Hey, I met you him. You got the way. resources. 
when you got the resources and you can pay that guy and you like him and he wants to be there, do what you got to do. I met I met him at Ingles down by down by our old house right outside That's of Jones, right. bro. That's, right. That's dope. Yeah. I was tempted yeah. to walk. I was tempted to walk up to him and be like, "Hey, yo, you!" But I didn't want to get beat up because he's kind of <laughs> tall. So I, but yeah, yeah. But like, you know, like the the, the future could be promising, but you got to build around whoever you got left. I like Jaden Hardy. I said before the draft, I feel like he was he was going to be a steal. Mm-hmm. Jaden Hardy looks like a player. Josh Green has looked like a player at times this year. I feel like he could be better. After that, it's going to have to come from within and it's going to have to come through free agency and trades. Mm-hmm. Like, but you can't, you can't afford to make the same mistake. Like if Kyrie decides to leave, okay, cool. Right. But you can't let that happen without trying to keep him first. Got to learn from. Got to learn from the JV don't, mistake. Don't don't try to go back and justify it like you did with the Brunson thing. Oh, they didn't give us a number. You had a number, no, and you didn't offer no, it. No, 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 dude. I I told you earlier. The funniest thing that I've heard so far from Mark Cuban was the whole. Oh, we knew we lost it once his dad got involved. You ain't offered this dude no money. Yeah, you. Didn't, that ain't got you, nothing to you do. Had with, the opportunity to, and you that didn't. Ain't gonna, that That's ain't why nothing. he left. That ain't got nothing to do with his daddy. Jalen Brunson right. is a grown ass man. Right. That ain't that ain't got nothing to do with his daddy. You really gonna sit here and blame it on his daddy when you could have offered him money, you right. chose not to, and then he decided to go somewhere. Okay, he might have gone to the team where his dad is on the staff. So what? Call it a coincidence. If his dad wasn't there, he probably still would have gone there. You know why? Because he's from there. Yeah, and 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 Leon Rose. That's yeah. special dealing with him. Thank you. Thank so you. Not only, not only did he have all that stuff working for him, it's like it's a new opportunity with a bigger role. Let's go. He doesn't have to share the ball with nobody unless it's Julius Randle or whoever. He can he literally, run a team. He literally, I was just about to say, he literally got paid more money to go and fill a role that he's always wanted to fill. Right. And he's who's gonna who's gonna say no level who's, that he who, can handle it. Who's going to say, ha, ah, handle. I see what you did there. Who, who's, who's going to say no to that? Who the Mark heck in Cuban. their right mind is going to, well, I would like to see Mark Cuban dribble 94 feet and not lose the ball. Uh, but I mean, it, it, it's just like that, that's going to haunt the team for a long time. I think depending on what they do these next couple of years, especially it starts with this off season is going to determine if Luca stays there or if he goes somewhere else. Mm-hmm. This is this is make or break. This is make or break because as bad as this roster was, Luca ain't gonna keep like Luca has stuff he needs to fix on his own, but you need to do him favors and actually get a roster that's worth something. Yeah. So with that being said, if you guys are still listening, I hope you have because <clears throat> I, this I don't it's, rant. I'm not a ranter, but I had to. It's been a minute. Yes. So we're glad to be back. Glad we were able to do this. If you have made it this far, thank you for making JWJ a part of your day. Uh, if you're not already, make sure you follow us, like and subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you click that notification bell to be notified whenever we drop a new episode. Uh, we, we're pretty much on every platform, Anchor, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Apple Podcasts, and more. 
Uh, we can be found on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can follow us at the JWJ Podcast. If you want to follow us individually, you know, because sometimes we have something cool going on uh, in our own lives. Um, you know, you can follow me at It's a Thomas Thing. You can follow James at, at Title Towns Mayor. If you have any questions or would like to add your two cents about anything we talk about on the podcast, shoot us an email. That's at the JWJ Podcast at gmail.com for the chance to be included in a future episode. So thank you guys. We're glad we're back after having some technical difficulties, having some life difficulties. Um, we're glad to be back. Glad we were able to do this. And uh, until next time, thank you guys for your support. Thank you for tuning in to JWJ. Holla.